Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. All right, let's get after it. We're jam-packed again. When aren't we jam-packed? Michael Ball along with Sean Kleisinger. It's always a busy show. We're going to hear from Trevor Harris. Well, 3.15-ish. Um going to hear from uh, Jordan Dejani. He is a writer for CBSSports.com talking about his article that pertains to the five quarterbacks in the AFC under the most heat. in terms Not quarterback pressure, but pressure going into the season is what I meant. Training camps. Have they started? If not, they're about to start right away. New York Jets training camp starts one week from today, and I know that because HBO Hard Knocks yeah, is going to be it. there. Yeah, I watched the Lions one last year. It was really good. And This Aaron, one's going to be good because Aaron Rodgers Aaron, and stuff. Aaron yeah. Rodgers, yeah. So we got him, um, Jordan from CBSSports.com, the Janny. We're also going to pick the score. Blaine Wyland, our crack reporter from training camp. He's not on crack. What I mean, he's our crack ace reporter. He's going to come and um, talk about what's going on at practice. Speaking of that, Wow. Still 11 guys did not participate in practice. Winicky knee, Dean foot, Lanier the second foot, Council finger, Revis leg, Charbel Beer leg, Lake Corte Moore leg, Kosi Onyeka leg, Roland Milligan back and foot. That does not look good for him. He's in a walking boot. Um, Peter Godber hand, Brett Lothar leg. Um, Hickson was limited with a back. Uh, also uh, limited was uh, Rodney Clemens, practice roster guy, limited with an ankle. And Clark did practice fully, but he was a healthy scratch in games. So a lot of people are talking about this too. What is up with the Riders' injuries? They need to revisit their conditioning and training staff. Well, football is a very physical game zinger, and I can't speak to the the Revis Corte Moore, Kosi Onyeka. Brett Lawther leg injuries. Okay, I can't speak to that. If that has something to do with training. But knees, foot, finger, hand, back. That has nothing to do with training, in my opinion. Those the, are, I don't know. It's wasn't like football. It like, wasn't like a dude deadlifted and wrecked his back. That's like, what's going to happen sometimes. And we're getting the injuries early Way on this goes. year. I will tell you this, though, man. If the Rough Riders can somehow... That's why, like, I've been getting into it. Well, I haven't been getting into it. I've been watching it. I've been part of the thread on Twitter. You guys barely beat Edmonton twice. Well, Edmonton is a... I don't know if you know this or not. This just in, Edmonton is some talented football players, and they're a professional football team. So I'm so sick when people judge yeah. teams of how they win. Like, it doesn't matter how you win. Like, what if the Riders win these type of games all season long and went on to when, win the Great yeah, Cup? Then yeah, what? Yeah. You barely oh, beat everybody. You barely won all those 18 games. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, the other thing is, Zinger, if they can get through all these injuries, 
Like if they, they beat Edmonton, right? They won the season series with Edmonton. They're now Edmonton's 0-5. The Riders are 3-1. If they can beat Calgary and win the season series with all these injuries, dude, I mean, you got to be smiling like a butcher's dog. I still have the Riders at about the nine-game mark, the halfway point. I think they'll be... I think realistically they'll be five and four. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. But like you said, this this game—if the Riders win this game—it's way too early to say they clinch a playoff spot. But you could basically lock it in that more than likely they're going to be going to the be, playoffs. They're, they're going to be in third place. Either in the West. Thursday, uh, third here, or barring going a big letdown. barring a big letdown. The only thing with football is it's a week to week game which is obvious in the statement, but it's also a week-to-week game in the fact that anything could happen. You could have Milligan go down. You could Winnipeg could have Kalaros go down. Vernon Adams could go down. Anything, and I mean anything, can happen. How about CV, uh, CTV ratings? They're on the rise. So week 5 saw the highest numbers of viewers so far this season. Calgary and Winnipeg lead the way. A Friday night average of 630,000. Now, if you factor in BC, Montreal with RDS, they were over 700,000. The Elks and Riders drew nearly 500,000 sets of eyes. Pretty good considering the Blue Jays were playing at the same time. The weekly average, 553,000 average viewers. The lowest attended game, the BC Lions game, 20,000. Now, you'll be like, 20,000? Well, it was an Eastern team. And even in the 80s, when Roy DeWalt, Mervyn Fernandez, and they were kicking butt with uh, draw on like 45,000 of games, they were getting 20, 22, 24 for Eastern teams coming in. So I wouldn't panic yet. And it's kind of like in radio, if you lose listeners, you got to bring them back and you slowly bring them back one at a time. Same with fans. If you lose fans, Dolman can spend all that money, but you got to bring them back one at a time, a couple at a time, a few at a time. So it's not going to happen overnight. Little League Canada, Little League Regina will be hosting the 2023 Canadian Little League Championship. The winning team will immediately travel to Williamsport, Pennsylvania to represent Canada at the Little League World Series. The tournament in Regina goes from August 1st to the 10th. They'll have their uh, draw of how the tournament's going to go tomorrow, 3.30 at the clubhouse. Regina Red Sox are in Weyburn tonight after losing 7-5 yesterday at Curry Field. Opening pitch at 7 o'clock, Tom Lang Park. Major League Baseball, the All-Star game last night in the National League or the National League came away with the 3-2 win over the American League. It's the first time they won an All-Star game since 2012. Elias Diaz um, the veteran, nine-year veteran, catcher from the Rockies, won the game's MVP. He had the go-ahead home run in the eighth. MLB Commissioner Rob Manford met with the mayor of Oakland to discuss a possible stadium plan designed to keep the athletics from moving to Vegas. So uh, the Oakland dream is not dead, but I think it's basically dead. Yeah, I, it's a last-ditch. Last it's like when the Chargers were leaving for L.A. and the San Diego Bent over backwards, uh, bent over backwards for Dean Spanos, and then at the end, oh, one last ditch effort. Let's have a hotel tax and blah blah blah. But nuts. Speaking of hotel, they are going to bulldoze the Tropicana Hotel over on the Strip in Vegas, yeah. and they're plopping the, the new stadium right there. The only thing that right could there. save Oakland is Oakland's owners, such a dump. Owners are greedy. Owners are greedy. If they can build it, well, Oakland is actually becoming a quickly transformed city. To be honest, their their well, stadium. So when I was there, it was a dump. Yeah, the when were you there? Tu- when were you there? 2010. Yeah, it's it's uh, like eight nine years. Uh, uh, seven years ago, it started to be transformed. Okay. So uh, the stadium's a dump. But here's where I'm going with this. What gets you the most money? 
expansion fees. That's why the NHL is looking at expanding again. So it gives immediate cash flow to the league and to the owners who are greedy. And so you could probably get more having a Vegas expansion team than you could Oakland moving there. So they'll try everything they can to keep the Oakland dream alive. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers unveiled their alternate creamsicle uniforms today. The look is reminiscent of the team's original uniforms uh, worn by Doug Williams uh, and those guys back in the day from 1976 to 1996. Steve Young wore them too. We're going to see a lot of alternate unis in the NFL this season, as Zinger tells me. Teams now can wear alternate helmets and what that means, alternate uniforms. And you talked about this. the, The Jets are going to be the HBO Hard Knocks team, and that should be good. Pats are going to announce their head coach tomorrow, and with it, the rest of the staff at 12 noon. The uh, Red Deer Rebels announced their new coach today. He's Derek Walser. Walser's been an assistant coach with the OHL's Peterborough Pete since 2017. Owner of the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, has been nominated as a contributor for the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2024, and he turned a deadbeat organization into a perennial championship that Robert Kraft. Got to give him credit for that. And uh, Football Sask, they play today, right? Versus Four o'clock Ontario. against Ontario, yeah. So you can listen to the show and watch uh, watch it at Football Canada. They've got a link there. They're that's in the Rempel, That's Rempel's team, right? Yeah, Spencer Rempel and uh, their team taking on Ontario. Going for a four-peat. Trying to win four championships in a row. And I want to say one thing. I'm going to walk a very fine line here. But I do need to bring this up because it's 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 you can't you can't get around it. <clears throat> what is wrong? Like, do, am I the only guy that sees that downtown Regina is turning into a cesspool? Does that not concern anybody at City Hall or anybody with the police service or any city councilors or any government officials? Like the downtown is the economic supposed to be the economic heartbeat of your city. It's supposed to be the vibrant place. Okay. Now downtown Regina with Victoria Park and the high rises blows the water out of Saskatoon. It looks like a downtown, Mm. but it's also in it's terrible. I almost stopped short of using a very controversial word. Mm. It is terrible. I used to be concerned about walking in downtown Regina about 9 p.m. I wouldn't... I'm scared to walk in downtown Regina at 2 p.m. Does anybody else see this? Am I... Am I I anybody, see scooters. Anybody else talking about this? Oh, and let me talk about that for a second, too. So, is is this on? Text me, 936-6262. Anybody else finding downtown Regina kind of a scary place? Kind of a cesspool. And I want it to be great. Don't get me wrong. I have business owners that work, that have businesses downtown. Okay? I go to the great Colin O'Brien's man shop downtown. Dean Renwick, the designer friend of mine. There are some great restaurants downtown. But we need to clean it up around here. We need people to step up and let's, uh, we, we need to get things figured out in downtown Regina. Or am I wrong with that? I could be way off. New arena, please. Well, I'm not even talking about an Nine arena. I'm mile. talking about the actual, I'm just a everything team. else going on. Well, me too, but I'm a concerned citizen. Me downtown too. Regina. I work downtown. The other thing is. But imagine if they had like a nice arena. You could build yeah. restaurants around and make it, you know, family friendly. You'll have a lot more traffic when it comes to like, I was going to say like normal 
normal people, but that would <laughs> that's not the right word to, to use. But you know, just like families coming in, in and out, get the get the culture up a bit. Everybody does. Everybody has the uh, basic human rights, and they deserve the basic same human treatment. I absolutely agree with that. But we are getting, we're letting things get away downtown here. I'm sorry. That's the best way I could put it without going into it too much. I think anybody else can read between the lines. I just, I, it, it makes me scratch my head. Um, uh, just a whole, you can, uh, Take that and just tell them to hold on if they're calling about this. Um, and the other thing is, Zinger was talking about these great scooters. And I loved uh, a couple summers ago renting one and ripping around downtown Calgary. And it's awesome. We got them in Regina now. I'm driving on Broad Street, going under the underpass north on Broad Street. I see these four lights coming towards me. It must have been about 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. No, it was 6.30 Zinger. Hmm. And they're coming down the wrong road, wrong way towards me. These four teenage punks on scooters, and I don't want to sound like the old guy yelling at clouds, but you're going on scooters, motorized scooters, into traffic without helmets on. You're just at. How come that kid? How come? Oh, it's such a tragedy that 15 year old died. Yeah, he died because he was an idiot. Like, and you're not allowed to use those scooters apparently on the sidewalk. You know that like okay. The, so you're supposed the, the to safe, use them. You're the supposed to use them on the road. It says like right on the scooter. Do, do not use on the sidewalk. So okay, so use you're it on basically the... saying take it on, head on traffic, baby. Well, like, listen, it's one thing to use it going with traffic, like a regular motorized vehicle. It's still not safe. No, but you don't go into traffic. Both ways aren't safe. Like if I'm going don't... north under a bridge and you're coming south on in the same lane, that is a recipe for disaster, especially with the way people text and everything like that. Yeah. We're going to take a break and be back with more on the sports cage here on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. with James Hetfield and Metallica. Hype Horn Action, 936-6262. Send us a text brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. You can always get a hold of us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's go out to the phones and say hi to Ed. Now, Ed, I brought up a topic. I brought up a topic that wasn't sports-related. It's a slippery slope a bit, but I I can't help but uh, walk downtown Regina and things they are a change. Now, you have an opinion. I just want you to be very... um, Careful with how you state it, but go ahead. Okay, all right. I agree with you. The Victoria Park downtown is really a disgrace, including City Hall. There's always somebody camping or disregarding it. They have a porta potty on Hamilton and 12th Avenue where all the buses stop going either direction because they can't stop on 11th Avenue. Mm-hmm. And that porta potty is so filthy that you can't even walk five feet around it without it just exploding. 
Yeah, you I know. I think that is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, listen, I um, I am not a politician. Uh, nor do I pretend to be. I'm a sports guy, but I'm also a person that walks around. And I will tell you this: uh, homelessness is a is a definite problem. It definitely needs to be addressed. But as far as I know, I don't think City Hall has much juris or any jurisdiction over that. So they're barking up the wrong tree, maybe when it comes to that. Do, do their voices need to be heard? Absolutely. Uh, it's and it's not just there. It's 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 stretched out all over downtown Regina. We we have some definite issues in this city that we can't continue to overlook or put in the back burner. Thanks for the call, Ed. I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, thank you for your time. Thank Thank you, man. I appreciate it listening. Yeah, I think we got Doug. Okay, Doug. Doug, uh, uh, please be respectful. I think it's a hot topic. I I, I had a few more than a few people a- actually ask me uh, my opinion, so I did want to kind of lob it out there to see what people wanted to say. So be respectful with your comment, but go ahead. Doug, you there? Doug's not there. Doug can call back. Doug's not there. Okay, Doug's gone. So anyway, um, 936-6262. I just the the we have a we have the makings of a good downtown. We got the nice uh hill high rises, right? Our owner, Paul Hill's done his part. We've got a great Victoria Park. It's nicely laid out. We got like all those nice O'Hanlins and everything. But we need to like there's a lot of issues, man, and not just in downtown. There's issues in this city. People can't turn a blind eye to it anymore. We need to, and, and not just city hall, governments. Everybody's got to come together. It's just, it's ridiculous. I, I might, <laughs> I might. Mayor, wait. are you going to run? I was actually going to run the last time. I'm not even joking. Oh. I, I was going to run the last time it came up. Um, all I will tell you is this: if I was the mayor. I may approach things differently. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I'm happy with the job I got. I love the job I got. I can't uh, even imagine how... Uh, would you be, I don't even know the word. <laughs> Chaotic. I don't know. Hey, uh, things would change the bold overnight. Would be, the bold would be a rocket. Let's put it that way. Hey, we got an issue uh, amongst our injury list. Brett Lothar, our kicker? has an injury, or we're not sure if he's going to play or not, but they have signed Campbell Fair, former Ottawa Gigi. Ironically enough, he was drafted by the Calgary Stampeders, was cut in training camp. He may play this week. All right, I'm Jim Campbell Fair, the, the newest kicker with the Saskatchewan Roughers. And Campbell, maybe just describe, I guess, what must have been a whirlwind week for yourself over the last few days. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was expecting to go back to Ottawa for another season with the GGs and uh, got a call out of the blue on Friday and uh, it was Saskatchewan call and decided to come, came the next day and I've been here for a few days now and I'm really enjoying it. So was the situation was Friday the first time that you really got contact with Saskatchewan? Yeah, I got a, I got a text from my agent saying that I need to have a call with me and uh, we got on the phone and he said that Saskatchewan was interested and uh, I'd be going for a workout, maybe signing, and then I ended up signing, so it was good. Of course, you were uh, drafted by Calgary early on in the spring. Maybe just talk about your experience with the Stampeders. Yeah, I really enjoyed my time in Calgary. It was a nice city, good organization. It was really good to learn from Renee. Um, and uh, it was good to come here having 
having that experience, not coming in, knowing nothing about the pro atmosphere. So, just... what was the biggest thing you picked up from Renee? Um, he was just uh, cool, cool and collected the whole the whole time. Um, very relaxed. I noticed he I noticed he did some breaths before he kicked, and I'm trying to work on my breaths too. So. Uh, just going back to your days with Ottawa, just uh, what still what settled with your days kicking with the GGs? Uh, I really enjoyed really enjoyed being with Ottawa. Um, Lewis Ward, the Red Blacks kicker, he's he's actually the guy that recruited me there, kinda. He helped, and uh, so it was good to learn from him. And I had a good a good kicking coach there as well, DMJ David Miller Johnson. But yeah, it was good. In terms of uh, kicking in, in Ottawa, like uh, windy conditions, weather conditions, how was that like? Well, it, it was good. There's, you get everything. You get you get rain. You get wind. Um, but I was a, I was able to I was able to have a decent career. I guess I kind of asked that too. Like with Saskatchewan being so windy, is it a big adjustment kicking here in in the prairies? Uh, it's not it's not too too crazy. Like yesterday, it was pretty windy, but I. I felt my ball still had some pop. It, it was able to get some distance before the wind had any sway in it. But. Can you recall, I guess, maybe uh, the worst weather or maybe less than ideal kicking situation you ever been involved in in a football game? Uh, a panda game, I think my third, my third year. Uh, it was raining and snow, it ended up snowing in the fourth quarter. So. That was good. Yeah. Uh, just want to get your thoughts about uh, the room, the kicking room inside of here with the other kickers that you've, uh, I guess, uh, been immersed with with your team here in the Riders uh, over the last few days. That's yeah, it's been really good. They've all been they've all been good to me. Uh, Brett's been passing on some knowledge, and uh, Adam and Kari have both been really really welcoming and giving me good tips too. Does Adam and Corey kind of give you like a global perspective, some you know maybe a little different perspective in terms of the kicking game? Yeah, he, he's global, but he's he's still a kicker, so he's a punter, but it's still very similar. I guess is kicking like kind of a universal language then? Yeah, like a kicker a kicker in Canada is, does the same thing as a kicker in the U.S. or in Japan. It's the same thing, doesn't matter where you're kicking from. What's your kind of mentality in terms of approaching this week? Do you approach this week as you know that you could be suiting up ball in terms of for uh, Saturday's matchup? Yeah, I I want to go into every every game like uh, like I will like I'm ready to play. I want to be ready to play every week. If if Brett's in or out, uh, that's out of my control. I, I can only do what I can do, and that's uh, work on myself and be ready. Is it extra appealing that the fact that it would be the Stampeders this week? Uh, it's. It doesn't make it more appealing. It, it'll be good to see some of the guys again, because uh, I got I got to be good friends with, uh, especially the specials group. But yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Campbell. Thank you. Okay. So the big story is Campbell Fair might kick in the game on Saturday against his former team that drafted him. The other bit, the other big story is is the Riders are listening to Whitney Houston in the locker room. Now, Whitney Houston, one of the greatest voices of all time, very attractive lady, gone too soon. Love Whitney Houston. But, um, my God, who would think 20-something-year-old guys are listening to Whitney Houston? Who got a hold of the playlist? Like, was it Bob Melvin, the linebacker's coach? Did Craig Dickinson plug that in? Maybe. 
be like, on, we got to get to the bottom maybe of this. young Mr. Fair is having ask, his young presence felt. I got to get Blaine Wyland in here and ask him, Whitney, and I will Pete always Pete Robertson walking around, just head nodding. <laughs> oh, crazy, man. What you don't learn here on the sports cage. Keep the text coming, 936-6262. Like this disgruntled listener. Take this up with the riders, man or woman, because you're anonymous. I don't know. Why does our local media always give away all our player injuries? It's 100% to our team's disadvantage and our opponent's benefit that they give the game plan and injuries out. The media is giving away what should not be known until game day. Um, uh, Here's the thing. Uh, I got the information from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders Twitter feed and... Teams put out their injury list every day. It's called mm. betting for betting purposes. And you know the, the NFL, right? You, yeah. You've heard of it? Yeah. Billion dollar industry? Yeah. Well, Over they do billion. the exact same yeah. They do the exact yeah. same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, take that up with the Rough Riders. That's one complaint I don't have to deal with. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 34 with the sports ticker Little League Canada and Little League Regina will be hosting the 2023 Canadian Little League Championship and the winning team will immediately travel to Williamsport, Pennsylvania to represent Canada at the Little League World Series and the tournament in Regina goes from August 1st to 10th and the team draw will be happening tomorrow at 3.30pm here in the Queen City at the North Regina Little League Clubhouse so a very exciting year uh, this summer. Regina Red Sox are in Weyburn tonight after losing 7-5 to yesterday at Curry Field. 7 p.m. opening pitch from Tom Lang Park. We're sitting courtside to bring you the latest on professional basketball in Saskatchewan. This is your Rattlers Report. A game-winning three-pointer by Justin Wright Foreman helped the Rattlers improve to 5-9 as they pulled off a 99-96 upset win at the Winnipeg Sea Bears, the Canada Life Centre. Wright Foreman finished with a team-high 29 points, 9 assists, and 5 boards to keep the Rattlers in playoff contention and, in the process, prevent the Sea Bears from clinching a playoff position on home court. Both Wright Foreman and Teddy Allen, the top two scorers in the CEBL, did not disappoint in their third and final meeting of the regular season. Allen put up a game-high 36 points, eight three-pointers. The Phoenix, Arizona native also shot better than 50% from the field and also had three boards and three assists. Speaking of boards, it was Saskatchewan's ability to win the battle on the glass that helped snap their three-game losing skid and earn their first victory under interim head coach Tanner Massey. Winnipeg came in leading the league in offensive rebounds with 15 per contest, but were out-rebounded last night. The Rattlers had 17 offensive boards and in total out-rebounded the Sea Bears 45-40. to Now with the key win, Saskatchewan moved to within a half game of Vancouver for fourth place in the West and will look to build on their winning streak with a Thursday date against the Stingers in Edmonton. That's your Rattlers report. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Guy does great work over at CBSSports.com. Jordan DeJani, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. 
Hey, hey, what's going on? Appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, it's awesome, man. We're we're in the midst of CFL season up here in Canada, but we're NFL fans too, and we're getting into it now. Training camp's on the way. And so let's talk about this article that you penned or typed. Pens the old, uh, showing my age a bit. Uh, talking about the top five AFC quarterbacks who are facing the most heat or pressure. And at number five, let's start with Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah, Tua Valoa. I mean, a very interesting case, right? The world was seemingly split on this quarterback entering 2022. And what's interesting is that statistically, he had a career year. This was the best season that Tua had as an NFL quarterback. But at the same time, he's facing new troubles, and those troubles are related to his health. In 2023, he's going to have to prove that not only does he have to build on those flashes that he showed last season, but he's going to have to show the NFL world. He's going to have to show the Dolphins organization that he can remain healthy moving forward. And, I mean, concussions and head injuries are obviously very serious matters. And there was, he even admitted that he considered, he considered retirement um, for a brief period during this offseason. And there were surely plenty of fans and people that wanted him to retire due to injuries. But this guy's a gamer. He's a competitor. And he wants to try to put together a successful NFL career for himself. And it's interesting because he's got a great offensive head coach in Mike McDaniel. He's got great weaponry with Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill. So all those pieces are around him to, for him to be successful. And 2023 is going to be a big year for him, especially with him residing in the very loaded AFC East. Yeah, very interesting. And speaking of the AFC East, Jordan, let's stay there with Mac Jones. What do you make of Mac Jones and the New England Patriots? You have him at number four in terms of AFC quarterbacks under pressure. Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, when I was crafting this list, I was talking with some of my cohorts over at CBS Sports, and I actually had Mac Jones uh, higher up this list. And okay. I think the main disconnect that we had with some of the other journalists that I was speaking with were the national expectations for the Patriots, right? You know, I talked about how the AFC East is absolutely loaded. If you had to predict which team finishes last in the division, I think the majority of people would probably point to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, which sounds crazy in and of itself, right? But with Matt Jones, I mean, this was a guy who went 10-7 and as a rookie, made the Pro Bowl as an alternate, but regressed in 2022. He went 6-8 and eight in the starter, 6-8 uh, as the starter, and of course he... He had a defensive coordinator as his offensive coordinator, yeah. which I think really affected the offense in general, right? And so, and we also had this weird thing that was Bailey Zappi mania, where this undrafted rookie quarterback came in for a few games after Mac Jones was injured, found some success, and almost kind of divided the fan base just a little bit. Maybe I'm kind of overstating it there, but it was an intriguing point of the season altogether. So Mac Jones, he has to prove that he can be a legitimate starter, that he can be that legitimate Tom Brady replacement, the franchise quarterback moving forward. And adding on to that pressure is that the Patriots have a big decision to make on his contract next offseason. They have that looming fifth-year option that he has on his rookie deal as a first-round pick. So the Patriots are really they really have their young quarterback under a magnifying glass entering 2023. And Again, the expectations are not that high for Mac Jones, but I think he's a little bit underrated at this point in time. It's going to be interesting to see how he fares in a loaded division. At number three, I think you could make a strong case this guy could be number one on your list of the top five AFC quarterbacks under heat. 
uh, coming into the year. But the Browns went all in with that guaranteed $230 million deal with uh, Deshaun Watson, which really rankled feathers around the league and, you know, talking about, I want a guaranteed deal and, and, and other guys talking about it. Uh, owner's not happy with it. He's number three on your list. Yeah, you can make the argument he's number one, like you said. I mean, you find this guy who's dealing with plenty of off-field issues and you walk up to him and give him a $230 million fully guaranteed yeah. deal, completely wreck the quarterback market. There's a lot of pressure, not only at Deshaun Watson, but I think just the Browns in general. But when you talk about the quarterback itself, Deshaun, he did not look good at all in 2022. Of course, he, that comes on the heels of an 11-game suspension. I think he went 3-3 three and three as the starter. Um, he was not throwing the ball accurately. He did not look like a legitimate starting quarterback, which was pretty interesting con- considering he looked like a borderline top-five quarterback during his time with the Houston Texans. So now that he's got another full offseason under his belt, right? He, he has most of the off-field issues behind him. He has more chemistry with his teammates, the coaching staff, everything like that. Everyone's expecting him to look improved in 2023. But I know that I'm not alone in saying that he shouldn't look just improved. He needs to look massively improved, right? He needs to look half-worthy of the contract that he signed with the Browns. So a lot of pressure under Deshaun Watson in 2023. All right, number two, and this isn't a big surprise, Aaron Rodgers going to the Big Apple, the New York Jets, leaving the Green Bay Packers. He's a polarizing star as it is, Jordan, but uh, when you're in New York, the lights are brighter, a lot brighter than Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's going to be very interesting, and I agree. He would be right at the top of the list. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it seems like Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets is probably the main storyline entering 2023 in the NFL. The Jets are a team that haven't made the playoffs since, what, 2010, I believe? And now, all of a sudden, adding one player, they have legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. Talk about high expectations entering 2023. But I will say this. The New York Jets are an intriguing team to me because – I feel like they've been on the right path for the past couple of years. I think they've done a good job acquiring young talent on both sides of the ball. I mean, they have the reigning offensive and defensive rookie um, of the year from last season, so that shows you how, how young and talented this team can be. But they've lacked consistency at the most important position in the game of football, which is the quarterback position. So if Aaron Rodgers can come in, and maybe he doesn't have to be elite, but he just has to be good, that's going to up the New York Jets stock in a big way. They got a top five defense in my mind, an underrated backfield, a revamped wide receiving core led by Garrett Wilson. There's high expectations for the Jets, but at the same time, I really do think they can meet those expectations. Jordan DeJani joining us here from uh, CBS Sports covering the NFL. You can follow him at Jordan DeJani, D-A-J-A-N-I. Okay, top of the list is... Does Russell cook or is he cooked? We're going to find out with his new coach, Sean Payton. Yeah, I, if you're asking me that question, I really don't have a good answer for you. I have no idea what to expect from Russell Wilson in 2023. And that's because watching the Broncos last year, I think we can attribute a lot of the blame to first-year head coach Nathaniel Hackett and that offense. Of course, you know they are definitely deserving of some of that blame. But Russell Wilson deserves some of that blame as well. He did not look like the same quarterback he was in Seattle. And what raises even further questions is you look at what happened with the Seahawks last year. Everyone was expecting them to be the worst team in the NFL. But all of a sudden, Geno Smith steps up to the plate, wins NFL comeback of the year, leads Seattle to a winning record, and takes them to the postseason. I mean, who was expecting that? And that raises legitimate questions about, you know, what Pete Carroll was doing for Russell Wilson in that Seattle system, right? 
And Russell Wilson, of course, is not exactly a spring chicken. He's older than he's ever been. Um, and we're entering another season with a brand-new head coach. Sean Payton is a guy who's expected to fix Russell Wilson because if he can't, then I'm not sure anyone else can. But I actually talked to uh, All-Pro Safety Justin Simmons yesterday, and he told me that Russell Wilson has been working his tail off. He's been in the building. He's been more motivated than any guy on the team. He's been someone who is looking forward to this opportunity to almost reintroduce himself to the Broncos fan base as the quarterback that he that they expected he would be. Jordan DeJani from CBS Sports covering the NFL. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. You can follow along all his work over there as I do weekly. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thank you. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Keep the text coming, 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast, Western Pizza. I got this from James and Regina. Scooters are everywhere, ballsy. I walk around Wascana Lake every morning. People not wearing helmets saw a lady with probably five, six-year-old son with her, neither wearing a helmet, weaving through tons of Canada geese on the sidewalk around the lake. Well, I, mean, I like the scooters, but yeah, use them correctly, use them wisely, use them safely. That's, I don't want to sound like a, I'm preaching to people, but I guess I do sound like I'm preaching to people. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, Michael Ball here along with Sean Kleisinger and our crack reporter. He's not on crack. He's our crack reporter, our crack ace reporter. That would be our buddy uh, Blaine Wyland. So you're at rider practice. There are a... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys that haven't practiced two days in a row. Um, what's the? What are the couple of the key injuries you're really paying attention to? Well, I think um, obviously in the defensive back, Roland Milligan, that's a big one. I've seen him in the walking boot today. Yeah. Uh, that's a sign that he's not going to be playing Saturday. Uh, Dick, Co- Coach Dickinson said afterwards, it's you know, it sounds like it's going to take a miracle overnight tonight to, if, unless yeah, he he's not playing. Yeah, I don't think he's be practicing. And in a walking boot, you could be out for a while, yeah, too. Yeah, it could be something of significance. Um, Which would hurt, because to me, he's the best all-around defensive player we have. Yeah, he's... And special teams guy. I like that guy. He could be the top defensive player so far in the first four games for the Rough Riders this year. I think he's on that short he list. He and Larry Dean. Yep. Right there. Yep. Um... Eric Loft has been practicing at tackle, at left tackle this week. Brandon Council has been one of those guys. There's been a few of those guys who've been dressed but not been practicing. He's got a finger issue, right? Yeah. Council, yeah. Who yeah. was good last game? He graded out like 63.8, which is one of the higher grades on Pro Football Focus for for last week. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> the PFF grades yeah. myself. But uh, let Collinsworth do that. Chris Collinsworth, <laughs> that's his company. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and some other guys that who, who were there but not practicing, uh, CJ Rivas, he didn't practice. Practice, but he was a Pratt or he was there. there yeah, uh, Charbel De Beer was also out there. Yeah, um, Anthony Lanier. It seems like he's beginning to like a p- pattern over the last couple of weeks. He has been out, but it, it, he's been kind of like out the first two days. Been like day three, he shows up. So we'll see tomorrow. Yeah, like I don't know. See, there's not many padded practices, right? Only twelve a year. So I don't know how much like an Anthony Lanier needs to really be in the grind the first yeah. couple. Would you agree, Zinger? Like, yeah, I would. you know, there's no co- contact or anything like that. You don't really need him. Like a Brian Cox Jr. probably has to practice. Anthony Lanier the second, I wouldn't think he needs to practice as much. So. Yeah, that veteran status. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask what was going on with the 
Derek Moncrief and Micah Tice yeah. today. They were doing a bit of a shuffling. And Delkey, right? Yeah, it was Delkey and Moncrief that switched spots. And we've seen a lot of that this year, like Moncrief, Delkey, and even CJ Rivas. It seems like those three players can like play those two positions. And it was a little tweak that today. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they continue with that tomorrow. Uh, Coach Dickinson said it was something he liked to see with Coach Shivers kind of tweak up the defense a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if they would carry that further or if that's just... You know, just so you saw you saw tights leave practice, but he came back or what? He one of those guys that came back but didn't partake in the drill. He kind of just sat off on the side and then ran back in again. So, yeah. and I didn't see anything on the injury report, so I'm not sure exactly what the ailment of that was. But he wasn't uh, on the injury report. Yeah. I didn't see that. So yeah, there's no no issues there. How about uh, Brett Lothers? Yeah. Is it safe to say he's not playing? Well, or what? It's one of those things. Dickinson was, he said afterwards too that it could be, uh, Lother could be a, a guy who doesn't practice all week and then just shows up Saturday and kicks. So, uh, but right now it was Campbell Fair who was taking the kicks. To what are they saying about Lother? Is it a hamstring or they don't know? He's not really saying? I think it was a leg. Yeah. Lower, it was definitely lower body. I think it was more of a leg injury. I wonder if he strained something when he sent that, yeah. that 12th point into the end zone because he really hammered that sucker. Yeah. He was, he was also on the report last week because he missed, uh, Wednesday, the day. Yeah. <laughs> Again, my days and Days and days of the week mixed up. I think it was day three, day two that he mixed last yeah, week. Yeah, it's like no Monday, Tuesday for you. It's day two, day three. <laughs> so has Campbell Fair? Has he been like kicking field goals throughout the week? Has he been making them? Or yeah, like- he's been making them. Yeah, he's. I I would think he's the guy. I know yesterday it kind of sounded like the coach made it either like it would be fair yeah. of Vedvik, but I think it's going to be fair if he uh-huh. kicks this week. So do I have to protect you, my my young man here? Uh, do I have to protect you? It seems like whenever you interview counsel or one of those old linemen, they pick on you. Like they, or is it just you? Is it everybody? Because yeah. no, they always they always jerk you the, around. The old line is jerking it, you around. They're jerking you around. It's it's everyone who gets. It's not just me who gets the old line treatment. Uh, they got a little thing going on this year. So <laughs> and was that a joke today with? Uh, yeah, what's with Whitney, Whitney Houston? What is going? Did who is in charge that? of that music? The- <laughs> did you put that on? Did you do that? Did they steal your iPod? <laughs> Because <laughs> that's the era would be from. Did they take your iPod or what? I can't even. Just he can't. He can't be seriously thinking me. That of all people. Well, who did it? I. I don't. Was it at the situation we talk about the players? Uh, the players of the week at the pick the music. I believe. So, so who was the player of the week? I picked. I picked yeah, Nick Marshall and uh, Mitch. I did. I did. I honestly didn't get to nail it down because I was trying to. Oh, I, I bet it's Mitchell Picton. Because if I'm in the locker room, he's a if, big Whitney Houston fan. Is he? Mm. No, serious. I think he is. So if I'm if I'm if I'm in the locker room, if it's not Mitch Picton, and it probably it could be, we could be honest. I'm here to text him, text right, him now. right now. So if it's not Mitch Picton, I'm thinking, okay, Bob Melvin, who's an old like he's an older guy, yeah. and Craig Dickinson. Who else would pick Whitney Houston? <laughs> I can't see Pete Robertson or Nick Marshall no, picking no. that. I, I don't know if you guys heard when I was talking to Campbell Fair because I talked to him yes, first. Yes, that's the one we aired. And I don't know what the... <laughs> just, <laughs> Did you guys like look up at the ceiling where the speakers were? Like, what is that? I was kind of thinking, well, you know, because we were like, well, I should we go outside? I was like, ah, I think it's going to drown. I'm assuming it was going to drown out a little bit. It kept going. And we just... It was... Uh, Kind of all it, it wasn't so awkward, and we kind of gave each other like that awkward look. Like the interview itself wasn't awkward. No, it's it was fine. We, you, we we gave each other a lot of awkward yeah. looks. Though that you put a, sure. you put a smile on my face. You, you did put a smile. <laughs> and I will always love you. Anyway, 
Uh, Whitney Houston could sing that better with than a, me now. A by nice the way, shy Campbell Fair talking over the top. Yeah. Of okay. It. So uh, I'll Show go around. The, I'm going to go around the horn here, Zinger. We'll start with you, McLeod Bethel Thompson. Is he back in the CFL? I'm going to say yeah because why else is New Orleans? I say the New Orleans Breakers releasing him. Well, I heard that he's still holding out Ironic hope. Timing. Go, yeah, I heard uh, he's still holding out hope that he's going to go to the NFL at 34 oh, years give old. Give it up already. He's yeah. not going to the NFL. That would be no offense to McLeod Bethel no, Thompson. No. That would be a sad commentary on the state of quarterbacking in football. Nothing against him. Good quarterback, but come on. Uh, how about you? Do you think he's back? I say no. I say he won it all last year. I think he's just got the release just because he's going to get that one last kick at the can. Or is he trying to get that last kick at the can in the NFL? I say he's not coming back. I don't think he will either because he, he left because of his wife at Pixar in Atlanta and he wanted to be close to her and that's where he was playing out yeah. of the Birmingham hub for the USFL yeah. with New Orleans. So he was close to home, like what, Zinger, two hours from yeah, home or something like that? Toy Story guy. So, yeah, and so he's the guy that I don't think he, I agree with you, Blaine. I don't think he's going to come back, especially with an Ottawa situation that is going off the rails like they are right now. But just like the that's time, a that's a tough hill to climb. The timing though, Ottawa's quarterback yeah. goes down, and then MBT gets released by the Breakers. Like you how don't much, think that he has for much that is release? He gonna, how much is he going to get paid if he comes back? Though he will be getting paid by Ottawa. Easy, easy, great cup champ, CFL royalty. Oh. In terms of that salary. Yeah, and the funny is. thing is, is for most of the year last year, yeah, he had good stats per se, but you'd never consider him an elite quarterback. Okay, here's the big Blaine Wyland's wallet $64,000 question. Will Edmonton win their first game in 20 on home turf? Blaine? This Thursday? Against Hamilton. Yes. I say yes. Zinger? What's the question? I was reading the text. Will Edmonton beat Hamilton in Edmonton? Will, uh, no, I think Edmonton is going to win that game. Yeah. So you do think Edmonton will win? Yep, I think Edmonton is going to win. That's what I had asked. Yep. He wasn't paying attention. No, I was I'm reading the text from Connie and Crooks Creek. <laughs> okay, and I agree. Well, I, think... I, got a, I got a message. Okay. Let's see. Mitch Pickton? Yep. I think Edmonton does beat Hamilton to end the 19-game home losing skid? Uh, he thinks it's A.J. Allen. Well, A.J. Allen wasn't the game star. I'll text A.J. Allen. I have his number. He I, Straight from the horse's mouth. You know what? We're going to get A.J. Allen on the show. We're going to ask him straight up. We got to get to the bottom of we the We will Whitney. get to the bottom of this. <laughs> By the way, this guy right here, Blaine Wyland, working hard. He may not be able to go home. <laughs> A power pole that knocked power out and all the lights out. I went to the gym this morning or tried to at Brick House and I had to turn around at 8 in the morning because it was backed up from here to Kingdom Come. The power pole fell against his building. Mm-hmm. Not the building, but like across the street. Across there. the street and knocked went, everything yeah, out. Yeah, went through his window and it yeah, came this close to his face. To his face. While he was sleeping and he still went to work. I jumped out of the balcony, rolled oh, over and then walked to work. that's what he did. That's right. <laughs> Like Chuck Norris. Wow. Oh, Blaine Wyland and Chuck Norris. Blaine Wyland is Chuck Norris. <laughs> we'll take a break here in the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the show. Get a hold of us, 936-6262, the number to text. Brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. If you tuned in earlier, you heard Blaine Weiland do an interview with Campbell Fair. 
Actually, Zinger, get the Sean Bain Jr. one here right now because it'll tie into what I want to do here, okay? Sean Bain Jr. and Campbell Fair being interviewed in the locker room. Each week, the Rough Riders have players available to us media and our reporters outside on the field, okay? But once a week, you go inside the locker room and then that's the player's domain. That's their domain. I actually don't go for those days because I am a former player. I've got, you know, I've coached. I think that's the player's area. And you should know. I've only actually only been in the rider locker room twice in my entire life. Three times. First when the stadium was built. One other time to meet with Jeremy O'Day. And then one other time interviewing on a garbage bag day. But I generally don't go in there. I think it's a sacred place. I don't even know if players like us going in there, to be honest with you. But anyway, they play their music, right? And you'll hear what kind of music. You'll get what I'm going to... You'll you'll pick up what I'm putting down here. We caught on to Campbell Fair's interview. And then I think it bleeds over to Sean Bain's interview. Sean Bain Jr. with Blaine Weiland. Uh, Whitney Houston, I will always love you. And I was like... Who, who would, who would do this? And apparently, whoever's the game star—that's what we were told—has choice of the music. Now, I think it might be Zinger choice of the music out on the field, not during practice, not in the locker room. Okay, mm-hmm. and we get to the bottom of things around here. Okay, this is what we do. So. We texted Mitch Pickton because he was obviously an offensive game star. Okay, he had a great game. Highest grade receiver in the CFL in week five. Touchdown. Big time. Big time player. Good Canadian receiver. Good Canadian kid. Good boy. He said, nope, not me. think it was A.J. Allen. So, <laughs> luckily, I went into my Rolodex of 2,500 names. And here we go. Let's go to the phone lines. Western Pizza Hotline. A.J. Allen. Are you the culprit? Are you the culprit? Hi, I'm great. Uh, thank you for asking. And how are you, AJ? Doing good, thank you. Good. That was very rude of me. I apologize. AJ Allen, Come on, Paul. number 32, on his jersey number one in my heart. I like Canadian linebackers. AJ Allen, are you the guy? Now listen, I want to say right now, as a 50-year-old man, bodyguard Kevin Costner, you probably don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I love that movie. I was a Whitney Houston guy. I love Whitney Houston, okay? R.I.P. Beautiful woman, uh, great voice, iconic voice. A.J. Allen, did you pick that song? No, I did not pick that song. So, as the I was the special teams uh, player of the game for, for, for our team last week. Uh, my job was to pick the music on the field. Okay. On the field is where I get to pick the music. So okay. In the locker room, it is fair game at all times. Okay. Uh, so, who picked that song? I'm not practicing today. Yeah. Um, as he's, you know, recovering from his surgery and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when we came in, it was Key and Schaefer Baker playing the Whitney Houston on the, on the tracks. So, Key and Schaefer Baker. Wow. Did he steal that from his mom? I know his mom was coming into town. Did she give him her playlist or what? <laughs> no. Um, honestly, when I ride in the car with Kid, we, we love throwbacks. Um, love throwback music. So, what's your throwback music? What, what's your throwback music, Alan? Uh, personally, my mom put me on Boys to Men. I don't know if you know that. that oh, of course I know Boys to Men. Um, I'm a Boys to Men guy, yeah, absolutely. All, all, all the Boys to Men songs, stuff like that, I'm, I'm a huge throwback for Boys to Men. So, uh, I, w- I was a big, actually, as a, <laughs> as a guy who can't dance and, a, and a, just a, a teenage white kid in, down in uh, East Regina. I actually secretly, I like Cool Modi 
LL okay. Cool J, and I was a Bobby. Uh-huh. Br- I was a Bobby Brown fan. You know, every okay. little step I take, you will. Be- he was married to a Whitney Houston. Yeah, yeah. sing yeah. it, AJ. Come on. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, every little step I take. Ooh. Anyway, ooh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, AJ, I got to ask you this question before I let you go. Okay. All right. Do you have a problem with media guys going into your locker room? Like, I don't. As a player, I don't think I'd like a guy like me traipsing around your locker room. Um, personally, it's not preferred. Yeah, uh, I believe it's a sacred place. Um, especially because we do do media outside before we enter um, the locker room. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm a very chill and easygoing person. Um, so I have I'm indifferent. Yeah, uh, it's not preferred. I don't. I, I, if I have a preference, I have a preference. And that, um, and that's nothing against. Hey, this is nothing against the media of the Rough Riders. They do a great job, Thomas and Ariel. I think it's more like, hey, you guys can have a, kind of a free for all to talk to whoever you want one day, and it's just easier to contain you guys in a locker room. I think that's the idea of it. Yes, yes, yes. Not yeah. not, a, not a not a knock or dis in any shape or form. Um, it has to be done right. It just it makes more. It makes sense. I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not here to criticize anything like yeah. that. Um, if we're just talking about a preference, though, that, yeah. that would be a preference. And that's that, what, that and, kind of sacred. And that's what I thought, man. Okay, man. Thanks for being my crack reporter. I appreciate it, bud. <laughs> thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate. It. You guys have a good day now. You too, AJ. I yeah, love that guy. Good Canadian guy. Special teams player of the game for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. All right. So here's what I'm talking about. If you missed the Campbell Fair interview, could be the kicker for the Riders this week. I said. When you're going down there, Blaine, because I couldn't get there, too, it was too close to the time of the show for me to go down get the audio. So Blaine did a great job. He got a hold of Sean Bain Jr. Try to please concentrate on the interview, but I guarantee you, you're going to you're you're going to have the earworm, Whitney Houston earworm today. Well, Sean, I guess just get your thoughts about how the season's going for yourself so far through the first four games. Um, you know, it's, it's not bad. Um, we definitely hit a couple couple marks that I wanted to hit early on. Um, but I'm obviously not satisfied with where we are. Um, so, you know, the, the, the goals are always super big. So even if you fall short, you're right where you want to be. It's the second matchup against the Stamp Bears. Is the, is the feeling any different from that first matchup? Uh, it might be a little more because I didn't get them how I wanted. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's still fun. It's still a great competition. I know those guys. So uh, I think, you know, just got to bring it. What would it mean for you to get the win against them here in your own new house? Uh, it would be great. It would be great. We got the one in there. So, um you know, we, they, they, that would mean that they can't uh, they break the tiebreaker, quote unquote. But um, yeah, we, you know, the goal is to go one and zero. So yeah, we've we've seen the receiver group have to bring some new guys. Oh guys dealing with a lot of injuries. Yeah. What's it like, kind of being one of the veteran guys now, kind of having to tell these guys how, how it works and everything? Uh, I mean, it's cool. I mean, uh, not many people can really like get comfortable in that roles, but I have. So it's, it's been cool. Just to, yeah, like hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we operate. Um, and uh, just you know, this is this is the, the 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 game plan. This is how we do things. So um, it's it's pretty dope. Do you remember being a, a CFL rookie and kind of who oh, took absolutely. you under your wing and kind <laughs> of the advice they gave you? Absolutely. Uh, shoot, Kamar Jordan. Um, shoot, Reggie Bangleton. Uh, it was definitely those kind of guys that you know had put up numbers and, and done, have been doing it for a long time. So. Um, you know, definitely been taking some keys from them and kind of just uh, making my own with it and, and giving giving out free game, pretty much. What, what have you, you seen say? from Kendall Watson? He had the two-point convert. He's kind of the guy who needs to step up here. For sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, he, he, he has big playability. Um, he, he brings his heart hat every day, which is just the most important. So, um, and he's willing to learn. So that's, that's big time. 
What can you say about the work of 83 out there on the offense with you today? Hey, that's sick. Uh, listen, he, he's been a great addition. Uh, he's been a sponge. He's been flying around. So uh, it's, it's definitely cool to have him around, too. Do you think you could see him in the lineup this week? Ooh, you know, I have no clue. I have no clue. I mean, he's, he's he knows the offense. He's, he's been learning. But he's only been here maybe two weeks, if that. So, yeah, it's possible. What's it just like early season building that foundation? Trevor Harris has talked about you guys are building. When you have a game against Edmonton where things just don't click, but yeah. you still do get that win. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's super dope. Um, that's like those are the games that you want to win. You know, what I'm saying tight uh, character wins, close game. You know, a minute left in the. You know, what I'm saying it's like those those type of things are are what make a team um, and give them their 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 character. So. Yeah, I think it's sick. Is it fair to say that this offense still has its best days ahead of it? You guys are still oh, kind of sure. learning? Oh, we're we are not even close to where we want to be. So uh, it is definitely more to come for sure. What do you do after like so a game against Edmonton? Things aren't clicking to get back on track and, and get put together another good performance? Uh, you, I mean, it's, 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 you just got to keep put, keep going. Uh, one foot in front of the other. And uh, just know, like, you know, know the game plan to leave him better. Do a little more extra work or... Uh, just getting on the same page with the queue. How important is it for guys to do that with veterans like Trevor Harris, Darrell Walker, and guys in the locker room towards building that? Um, I mean, it's the same thing. We we, we have that expectation uh, across the across the room. So um, if you if you're up, you, we need to know and we need to be able to count on you. So so I just want to say that was Sean Bain Jr. with. Um, Blaine Weil and the other reporters and uh, special guest uh, in the background, Whitney Houston, her great voice, Kean Schaefer Baker, as AJ Allen told us, picked the music. He's into uh, R&B and reggae and there you go. Got a mixture. I don't know who the last artist was, but Whitney Houston. I mean, you can't go wrong with Whitney Houston. And you can't go wrong with both those. That, that last I mean, voice, I, I wouldn't want to. Li- I wouldn't want to listen to I Will Always Love You before I go out for a key Western Division matchup with the Calgary Stampeders. Hey. Like, not on game day. Sometimes players like to listen to, like, softer type music. It no, gets- no, no. You got to hear For Whom the Bell Tolls or Walk from Pantera. You can't have... Aaron Rodgers listens to Explosions in the Sky. Guy. Yeah, but he's on mushrooms. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. He's all burnt out somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Not going. 2-2 to Diaz. is hit in the air to deep left field. Back it goes. Elias Diaz puts the National League in front. At 32 years old in his all-star debut, a go-ahead home run. Yeah, everything you need to know right there. Elias Diaz wins it for the National League. National League's first win in the all-star game since 2012. Elias Diaz, catcher for the Colorado Rockies, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the show. And uh, we're pleased to be joined now on the Western Pizza Hotline by Regina Football Royalty, three-time Grey Cup champ, 
twice with the Owls, once with your Riders, played at Lobolis, the Regina Thunder, played for the U of S Huskies, now coaches the Huskies, coaches youth flag football, as uh, he's a dad of two now. Paul Waldo joining us here, and of course he works at uh, Royal LePage. We'll get into that at the end, but uh, we're doing something now every week on Wednesdays called Waldo Warriors. Wednesday, Waldo Warriors teeing up uh, the action this week, and let's uh, concentrate on the Riders, Stampeders. Uh, Paul, on Saturday, you, of course, play defense and special teams. Let's yes. start there. Do you got a special team warrior for me this week for the Riders? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, when you look at special teams in the league, I mean, I, I think they're just, they're, they're so important to flipping fields and, you know, and changing the, the trajectories of the game. And, you know, my guy's probably going to be, going to be Mario, man. Alfred, Alfred to me is a difference maker. I mean, you know, he had a big return. Obviously, last week uh, that, you know, I had gotten called back, unfortunately, but he's just a guy that anytime, whether it's, you know, punt returns, missed field goals or whatever the case is, really sparks us and gives us gives us a chance to actually put up points from from anywhere on the field. So Mario Alford is, is definitely going to be my special teams guy to look out for this week. I'll tell you what, that uh, that penalty was kind of tic-tacky that got oh, that one called oh, back. No. I saw, I've seen a lot worse. It, it was, you know, it's so weird nowadays because, you know, you watch it and you can review things and, you know, I think, it, it you know, it, it takes away the objective view of the, of, the, of the game in itself. But, I mean, just especially going back to that play, like I said, it, it would have made it would have made all the difference in the world. And, you know, we ended up playing it out in, in, um, in the grand scheme of things. But um, but like I said, that's that's going to be a guy that I'd watch for. And I'm going to throw in um, I'm going to throw in Campbell Fair, the Ottawa GG kicker. Looks like he's probably going to be kicking in replace of Brett Lothar. So that'll yes. be interesting in terms of does Dickey, uh, does he hold back on going for field goals? Does he approach it the same way? That's going to be interesting in this game. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's something people are really cognizant about. And, you know, the kickers will go out there and whether it's different kickers or, you know, what the conditions of the elements are, you know, they'll, they'll go back to the, I, I always see the head coach going over to the special team saying, Hey, like, you know, what are we looking at for distance? And you'll say, Oh, well, you know, we're, you know, we get a strong wind at our back. So when we're going, you know, south, we, we're, we're good from 50 and beyond and then vice versa. You know what I mean? If we're going into the wind. So once again, just adjusting, because I think, I think Lawler has been around, he's been consistent and, you know, we know what we're getting out of him. So to, so, so to see the guy fill in for him, it's going to, it's going to be an interesting dynamic for sure. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what fair can do. He was drafted in the sixth round by the stamps this past draft and kicked in the preseason. Didn't uh, yeah. of course unseed Rene Paradis, who is an absolute beast on the other side. Okay. Let's get to for leave defense for last. Let's get to your sure. Waldo warrior on the offensive side of things. Well, let me tell you, you know, you know, looking back from last game, I mean, Mitch picked into me, um, you know, you know, as a guy that came out there and went, what five five for seventy five yards in the touchdown late, and mm-hmm. you know I I think, you know unless you're a player you don't really understand how hard that is to to essentially be a backup at a skilled position, um you know and and being able to to play four or five different positions you know and that's that's one thing that Mitch does really well he's able to to, to you know I read the article on him this week about you know they can plug and play him anywhere and he's almost valuable and it kind of hurts him in the sense that he's he's so good and so smart at playing everywhere. And, I even look at myself in my career at having to be a backup and defensive back, especially earlier on in my career where I had to learn four or five different positions. So I look at a guy like Mitch and what he did last week. And so I'm really intrigued to see how he follows up this week. And, you know, if they, if they, if they actually, you know, you know, plan, you know, to, to get him to rock a little bit more. So he's, he's kind of my guy that would be watching for. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like he's too smart to be a starter. Uh, it's, yeah. It, yeah it's, 
I don't know. It's uh, it's weird. Like I said, it's almost you think of people just saying things. Like it's a generic answer, but I mean, at the end of the day, that's a guy who literally had gone in this last week, essentially. And you know, it's a it's a player who normally doesn't get all those reps. He's got to be able to go in there and perform at all those reps. So you know, you always say muscle memory, where the poor guy's not getting all the reps all week, and he's got to go in there and perform. So it's it's. Um, yeah, it's, it's it takes a lot of it takes a lot of focus and a lot of character to do what he's doing. Absolutely, absolutely, and and, and to do it to do it selflessly too, right? Because like I said, you, you know the guy can go in there and he knows he can go in there and be a full time starter, a guy who can play 60, 70 snaps a game, and mm-hmm. you know he doesn't he takes a high road, and you know he he does what he does for the team, so it's pretty cool. Oh, uh, lastly, with Paul Waldo, Waldo Warrior on defense, who do you got? You know, Larry Dean you huh. know, to me is a player who's not overly flashy. Um, but he's just a he's just a consistent player who's been doing that at such a high level for so long, and I think it all kind of starts and ends there. You know, what I mean, o- offenses are always trying to trying to establish the, the line of scrimmage and get the get the ball rolling on the ground. And so I think you know if Larry can go out there and and, and you know obviously you know control control that nucleus that middle there and, and make sure they 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 can't run in between the tackles. And I think it it will you know give for a better um, chance for the defense to go out there and, and make it one dimensional and kind of. Just turn their ears back and play ball. So Larry Dean's going to be Larry Dean's going to be my warrior. Yeah, and you know it's funny. I, it's one thing, no disrespect to Trevor Harris, but it's one thing yeah. to be a thirty-seven year old or like a, a Aaron Rodgers thirty-nine forty or Tom sure. Brady forty-five sure. and be a quarterback. It's another thing to be a Larry Dean oh. or an Adam Big Hill and still be good at the linebacker spot. You know, you, you mentioned and, and those two in particular. Um, you know, I mean, Adam Big Hill, I mean, they've just been doing it consistently for so long. And, you know, you don't really know until you're a defensive player um, the things that you got to go through. Obviously, on, on the offensive side of the ball, we talk about these quarterbacks and, steam to, and still mentally being able to, you know, read the field. And it's, you know, it's more of a mental game there. But, I mean, those those middle linebackers, guys like Larry Dean and Adam Big Hill, that have to physically, you know, deal with the, with the pounding and – the contact, um, you know, at high velocity speeds, it's it's remarkable to be able to to still play at their age. You know, it's funny, uh, and I don't mean this haha, but I, I look at a Larry yeah. Dean or his old teammate in Hamilton, who I don't really yeah. like as a person, but you gotta yeah. think he's a good player. And Simone Lawrence, those yeah. got Simone's thirty four, Larry Dean's thirty five, Paul Waldo now almost thirty nine, won three Grey Cups, Big Hills won his, but you got a guy; those two guys haven't won championships. You know, it's interesting you bring that point up because it's it's probably a, a legitimate reason as to why they're continuing to play a lot of the times, right? You know, you it's a part of what you do, but when you're when you're chasing, you know, the, the pinnacle, right? Um, you know, it, no wonder they continue to try to play and put their bodies through it. But um, you know, going back to a guy even like Simone, I mean, every time every time he makes a play. Um, you know, I, I cringe because I don't, I don't love the guy. I'll be honest with you, but I mean, he's a good player. He's been doing this thing for a long time, so yeah, um, you got to give him respect. All right, Paul Waldo over at Royal Page. If they want to get in the real estate game, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, you can call me at three zero six five zero two five three five five, or you can always email me, Paul at HolmesRegina.ca. I've, uh, I wanted to ask you this: Has the inflation yeah. rate uh, has that affected the business in terms of sales? You know, not overly. I mean, you still you gotta you, you gotta pay to live somewhere, right? Yep. So um, that's what people forget. You know, what I mean, if you're if you're driving a vehicle and you don't want to drive because gas is too high, you can bike, bike, walk, public transit. You can jog, sprint to work. You can yeah skateboard. You know, there's a lot of different avenues you can do. But I mean, real estate. You, I mean, you gotta pay to live. You're either gonna rent or you're either gonna 
you're going to own a house, right? So renting, obviously, with the with the cost and even inflation, rent rent has gone up. So it has, I guess, affected people in terms of what their affordability is, and it's kind of knocked them knocked them down from you know being able to be approved that to what they were essentially at one point in time. But no, everybody's everybody's got to pay to live, and it's kind of you got to make different adjustments in your life. But uh, yeah, so it's been okay. It's been good. We'll get a hold of him at three zero six five zero two five three five five. It's our first round of Waldo Warriors. Awesome. What a, what a great segment. I look forward to, to continuing to do it. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. CFL TV ratings are on our rise as Week 5 saw the highest number of viewers so far this season. Calgary and Winnipeg led the way on Friday night with an average audience of over 630,000. The Elks and Riders drew nearly 500,000 sets of eyes. Pretty good, considering that, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays were playing at the exact same time. Time. The weekly average, 553,000 average viewers. Week 5 in the Canadian Football League. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Further review, it looks like the receiver didn't catch the ball. But he tried really, really, really super-duper hard to catch it. So, we're calling it complete and giving him a participation trophy. Our CFL report brought to you by our friends at Kevin's Marine in Fort Coppell. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in person in Fort Coppell or online at kevinsmarine.com. Every Tuesday and Thursday during the season, Glenn Suter from TSN joins us. And yesterday on the Sports Cage, we were talking about that dramatic come-from-behind 12-11 win by the Rough Riders when they scored on the Rouge. And it sparked a debate. Should we get rid of the Rouge? (laughs) Well, you know how I think. It makes the league great. You always have to do something with the football. I don't want to see the rouge changed at all. People are like, well, for field goals and certain length, it should be. No, no, no. I, I've thought about no. this. No. Keep it the way that it is. It, re- it adds more strategy and it rewards you for the position battle on the field. Yeah, I, we, we have to just get off the hamster wheel about changing the rules of the game. Uh, we, we just have to just stop it. I mean, really, it, it's, it's, it drives me crazy, and it's coming from people with authority, you know, and it just, it, it, the game does not need fixing. It never has. We can always look at player safety issues and rules that you tweak because you want to protect the players a little more and things like that, but the rules do not need to be changed. Just stop it. This is, this is, um, Another example of how great the game is. We've had over four kick return touchdowns already in the first four weeks of the season. We've had blocked field goals, which never happens in other leagues and rarely happens at all anyway. But we've had that in our game. We've had blocked punts in our game. I mean, pick sixes. It's, it has everything you need for the drama. That was a dramatic finish the likes of which you will never see on a Netflix movie. You know, because I don't know how many you watch, but I saw maybe one good one in a hundred. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was human drama with a kid who didn't, who, you know, who, who was in the heat of the moment 
knew the rule, and the coaches. What I've what I've learned to understand is that the coaches did remind him of the rule, but in the moment, his eyes got big in the lights, and he had uh, you know his he just lost it for a second. He lost his concentration for a second. Listen, Tom Brady forgot what down it was in a key in a key game. You know this, this happens. And it doesn't mean the league is bad. I had a colleague of mine tweet out that this looks bad on the league. That's a dumb comment because it doesn't have anything to do with the league. In fact, the league rules is why it became so dramatic in the end, and that one point won the game for them. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, Canada Canada Cup football action, U18. Saskatchewan looking for a four-peat. And right now, at last word, according to our ace reporter Kelly Rempel, his son Spencer playing on the team, it's 10-3 for Saskatchewan over Ontario. Saskatchewan opened the game with a 90-yard touchdown drive, followed by a 37-yard field goal. Ontario rebounded with a uh, 38-yard field goal. So 10-3 right now in the first half. Saskatchewan leading Ontario in a semifinal matchup. All right, Trevor Harris getting set. He just played his 100th game as a starting quarterback in the CFL. He... Among those starts was behind center for the Rough Riders for the first time ever in Calgary. They won 29-26 in double overtime. And uh, he talks about that and other things here in the lead-up to Saturday's contest. Bag, You know, you always make mistakes. That you seem Trevor, like that game was either the kind of the best game film to watch or kind of the worst game to film to watch in terms of the last Thursday game. I would say both. It's, it's always, you know, a mixed, mixed bag. You know, you always make mistakes that you wish you could have back and uh, you make plays that you're not sure if you'd make them again and so it's one of those things where you know you watch it and you flush it you learn from it we got to get better from it and you know the fact of the matter is we're not going to be the team that we want to be until you know we get to a certain point where we know this offense like the back of our hand while we've got the details down and uh, we're working hard at it and uh, the great thing is is we're winning the close games which is something that is uh, I think a learned thing and you know, a, a belief factor, and I think we've we've got the team that believes in one another. We'll get it done late, which is uh, the silver lining in this. But uh, obviously, we're not satisfied. We're out offensively. We're going to keep grinding, keep getting better. What does the offense have to do to finish off more drives consistently? Yeah, yeah, it's just us shooting ourselves in the foot, uh, first down or second down, and you know we're all taking our turns. But it's one of those things where we've got to iron out the details, figure out what we want to do, and uh, the things we need to do in the red zone, and the things that uh, that the defense has given us. And so I think that 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 was a great discussion point with Kelly. Uh, had a good, we had a great meeting about that exactly, that exact point of making sure that we're you know putting ourselves in situations where we can do that. And he's done a great job, and we're going to continue to learn and grow together. And uh, that's obviously going to be a point of emphasis for us moving forward. Have you got a chance to? reflect back on start number 100? Uh, you know, honestly, the person that told me was Zach Kolaris. He texted me, he was like, congrats on start 100. And I did not know that. And so it was, uh, I was like, man, it kind of was just like, I've started 100 games up here. You know, I'm thankful for each and every one that I get to start, you know, and God willing, I get to start 101. And uh, it's just one of those things where you kind of look back and say, just, wow, just praise God that, you know, been able to stay healthy and uh, live a dream that long enough to, to be able to even start 100 games. So, yeah, definitely just really thankful. And think about maybe back to start number one. You were probably a young pup back then. I don't know if you had kids back then. Um, I imagine your whole life, personal and professional. Is yeah, yeah, it's very different. I was single. Uh, wasn't back together with my wife uh, yet. 
and uh, yeah, no kids, none of that, and I was in my 20s, and you know, it's funny, you don't really see yourself as young at any point in your life, uh, you know, when you get into your, you know, your high 20s, early 30s, and uh, two years from now, I'll think I was young now, and so I still feel like I'm young now, and I'm just going to keep pressing toward uh, just each and every goal every week, and yeah, life definitely changes over the course of a decade plus, and uh, I'm grateful for where we're at now. What kind give, of, sorry, just one more, just to get a chance to, to share that moment post-game, uh, of course, on the podium, or even on the sideline with your kids at start number 100, just to get to that point. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, one of those times where I'm always pinching myself, and uh, the fact that I get to be in this position, uh, this privileged position I am, that I get to be the quarterback of this organization, um, and I get to bring my kids here to you know work. They got to come out on the field and play with play with me today. And uh, after the games, you know, I just love them being with me in the locker room and then coming to media sessions. It's just something that I'll always remember, and I know that they'll remember too. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's kind of like a bucket list thing. You always want your kids with you at work, you know, especially when you uh, get the you know amazing opportunity to play professional football for a living. Taylor and I got the same angle today. What kind, what kind of journey was it just to get to start number one in professional football? Yeah, I, I, I was a backup for 2010. I, you know, got cut from the team in the NFL, bounced around, you know, United Football League, Arena Football League, um, actually took a coaching job and God wouldn't let me sleep. And 48 hours later, I had to call the coach and say, hey, I can't do it. I need to keep playing football. And you know, then I was a backup for 12, 13, 14, and uh, going into 15, and then Ricky was hurt. But obviously, I got to start one game in 14. And uh, so my idea when I got into the CFL was, you know what, I'm just going to play well enough to hang around long enough, and they'll they'll have to give me an opportunity at some point. And so every day was just a, you know, trying to build build myself into the person that was, you know, good enough to hang around long enough. And then finally, be like, well, I guess we got to play this Harris kid. And <laughs> once you get your opportunity, try and kick the door down and go play well. Trevor, obviously you would rather have games that you win by like 50 points, but what are these two close games that you've had back to back teach a team like this? It's gigantic. And I think that that's something that can't be understated in this league is all, a lot of games are tight. I can't remember what the stat was. Something over 60% of the games came down to the last possession last year. And so the team that can figure out how to win games, the tight games are the teams that's often going to have the great record. And you know, we've seen Winnipeg over the last you know, number of years, Toronto last year, they were winning the tight games. And uh, so for us to be able to learning that lesson now, while we're still not the team that we're, we're going to be, you know, come here in a few weeks and maybe Labor Day or whenever that is, the fact that we can win these tight games right now, that's, that tells us who we've got in the locker room, the type of character we have. So can, sorry. No, I was going to say, so what can you say about your defense right now, helping you guys close it out? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been total team effort against Calgary last, last week. They, they were bend but don't break, and you know they were able to keep them off their points off the scoreboard, you know, only holding them to 11. And uh, gosh, dog, if we can't win games and they're only scored 11, then we got some issues. Uh, but the fact that we only scored what we did, uh, we know we have some issues. And so by no means are we sitting here patting ourselves on the back, saying, "Whew, we're three and one. We are the best. Uh, we're we're grinding and, and doing everything we can to get better. We know where we need to be." Trevor, between uh, Edinburgh and your start in 2014 in Toronto, had you started anywhere? No. Wow. No, no games. Uh, it was, yeah, five, six years, and a lot of times, you know, you're going through the washing machine of pro football, I just was like, this isn't for me. I need to, you know, put my feet on solid ground and, you know, stabilize myself if I want to ever, you know, have a family and, you know, raise kids and whatnot. And, um, yeah, it was just one of those situations where, you know, I finally did get an opportunity and, you know, praise God for that. Didn't you sign with a team which then <laughs> folded or something? Oh, yeah, I've been through. I've been through <laughs> quite a bit. We'll have to talk through that someday. But uh, <laughs> I've been on a team that folded in the middle of training camp. I've been a part of a league that folded.
uh, during the season. I've been a part of uh, what they thought was a player strike, so they cut the entire team on our way to the first game and played with replacement players. And, you know, I mean, I've been a part of the NFL lockout because I signed with the Bills. I was going to sign with the Bills, and then they couldn't sign me because of, uh, you know, certain rules with the lockout. So, like, I've I've been a part of quite a bit of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's – and, shoot, a couple lockout or uh, striker player of a lockout, whatever it was up here. So, it's – I've been through it all. How big was that, your first start at – Taylor Field. I think it was your third pro start, 42-40. It goes into overtime, and that was so early in your starting tenure in this league. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was at the old Mosaic, and yeah, that was uh, that was a double overtime one, and that was a fun one. Um, but I think you know, playing on the road in Saskatchewan, you know, the fans and crowd are going crazy. I think that's when you realize that uh, there there won't be a moment too big for you. And so if you can come here and play on the road and perform, um, you know that the lights will never be too bright. What would you now tell Trevor back on his first start? I, I wish I could go through all the games and be like, don't throw this one. Don't <laughs> throw this one. Um, I don't think I'd say anything. Um, I, don't, I don't think I would say anything because in that moment, I just remember thinking, like, I've, I've prepared for this for, you know, four years, three years up here, and I guess we're going to see if I can do this. And if I can't, so what? I'll move on and go do something else. But I'm going to go out there and give it the old college try and do everything I can. And he is doing everything he can right now. Top-rated passer, week five in the CFL, Trevor Harris. Hopefully that continues this Saturday. When we come back, we'll talk to Ben Wagner, our buddy from the Toronto Blue Jays Radio Network. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, and let's welcome Ben Wagner to the show on the Western Pizza Hotline. Very kind of him to join us on his all-star break. I've been in contact with a lot of voices across Major League Baseball. It seems like most of you are going into your anti-baseball silos for a few days. I would be included. <laughs> I, I, I'm hibernating in eastern Ontario um, and and thinking less about baseball <laughs> than I normally would on a given day at this time, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I thank you for uh, giving us five minutes of your time, and we won't tie you up longer than that. So just overall, your thoughts on the Blue Jays through the first half headed into the second half? You, you know what? I mean, not disappointing. I think overarching, you could look at the Blue Jays season. There have been some highs. There have been many valleys but i think the overall wins and losses are a little disappointing by about eight to ten games i think the blue jays have left some games on the table Mm -hmm. they have fallen short in terms of execution on a couple of games and by and large that you know and take the tampa bay Rays out of it and the tampa bay Rays have struggled mightily over the last couple of weeks they they had the the skids face very stiff competition going in to the all-star break including the atlanta braves but bottom line is, when you look at it just subjectively at the Blue Jays, you have to look at, were they better than what you thought? Were they not as performing as a high level as what you thought? I think offensively, um, certainly certainly felt sure of expectations. Pitching-wise, while they survived June, they still came up a little short. That's why I would put them, you know, you know just underperforming overall. But they're still not in a bad spot, right? Like, they're still uh, very much in the mix. And that's the thing. That's the best news. When you look at how the American League wild card race has been designed and teams are involved, and while the division, I was just texting with a couple of people going into the All-Star break, I said, the division is still in play. 
certainly the division is in play. The Blue Jays have a number of games left against the Tampa Bay Rays. It'll take a while to get there, and some things need to work in their favor, but they need some help against some other teams that did not help them at all in the division. The division is certainly in play. The Blue Jays are still in a great position when it comes to the wild card if they take care of their business. And the the overarching theme within the clubhouse over the last couple of weeks is where were we uh, a month, two months ago from a Matt Chapman, Whit Merrifield, George Springer, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, who's, who's performing. Not, Bo, is, Bo is not only performing like an MVP. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's performing like a hit king right now. Um, offensively, they know where they are. We heard a little rumbles and a little frustration with the pitching side of things, which does Alec Manoa iron that out? That helps. Does Hyunjin Ryu coming back by the end of the month help? Absolutely. But the, I think the clubhouse knows this is not a complete clubhouse when it comes to, is this a World Series contender? Do we have enough assembled right now where it can be done? And I think the rotation and their frustrations from the, the most boisterous was Chris Bassett first, then Kevin Gosman, and then Jose Barrios. Those three guys, I think, really move the needle when it comes to, all right, is this team complete? Can it get better internally or externally? And I think that, that really shook up things where they're going to look at how they can become better externally more so than internally. So with regards to that, Ben Wagner, uh, what do you think they might do in terms of position or, or where they'll look uh, heading into the trade deadline? I think they need a threat off the bench. I don't think the bench is deep enough. I think it's versatile enough where you can play in games, you can maneuver around offensively what kind of caliber of player you want matchups, all those things included. I don't think they have a threat on the bench. So is there a bat that's out there, right-handed or left-handed? I'm not in the camp where it absolutely has to be right-handed because, my gosh, it seems like for two years we were talking they're too right-handed heavy. They're too right-handed uh, dominant with power and all this other stuff. No. I want somebody that's up there that's a dude coming in late in the game, and whether that is somebody that's uh, an option, and Nelson Cruz's name has been kicked around. Last couple of years, Nelson Cruz has been somebody out there in the market that the Blue Jays have entertained having as part of their offensive threat. Just never worked out. But a guy like that, uh, is there a threat that they can identify that they can add to the depth? And I still think, even with Chad Green, even with the, uh, let's be honest, Zach Pop is coming back at some point, too. And he's been very inconsistent in his rehab outings recently. I still think there's a bullpen arm that the Blue Jays could certainly add out there from a power perspective, like a swing and miss guy. It might have maximum cost, but it might have maximum reward for the Blue Jays if this thing goes the way that it should. And in October, you need power. You need wipeout stuff. You need Alex Lane coming out with a fastball-slider combination. And I reference that only because he's a guy that completely shut down the Blue Jays on the no-hitter on Saturday, but then he coughed it up on Sunday. So there are still question marks out there with anybody that you bring into the organization. But you have to have that power. You have to have that dominance. And that dominance 
both exist offensively and from a bullpen perspective where I think the Blue Jays could improve. I do a daily three-hour talk show, which you're a part of, and we're happy about that. I call Canadian Football League football. Uh, maximum I can call is 23 games, okay? You're calling all those games. <laughs> is there a point when you, when you Ben Wagner, even though you, this is a dream job for you because you were in minor league baseball all those years, is there a point where you hit a wall? Did you hit it? It's like 90 games, I need a bit of a break. Uh, that's a really good question. Do you ever hit a wall? You certainly hit a wall when it comes to the fatigue level, the focus level, and you need a day off where you can completely unplug. Uh, I'm going to say about every month, to be very, very honest, you know, you need a chance to just kind of de- uh, disconnect, uh, detach yourself from the day-to-day grind of it. Um, does it have a magic marker? No, because there are double headers, there are rainouts, there are so many factors around the game where it is daily. There are routines daily, and that's what you kind of sell yourself to is the process of it. So I would say you know, and I'm part of the product too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I was engineered early in 2004, 2005 to be part of the process that every 30 days you're going to get an off day. So my max right now, I really feel it if you don't get a break, a breather in that 30 to 40 game window. And whatever that exists, whatever that circles around, sometimes it's a rain out where you can go out and have a nice impromptu dinner. That's great. If it is a, a looming off day on the schedule, maybe you get a day game before and you can bolt town and you completely disconnect and you can find yourself in cottage country or, um, yeah. or even in the condo, you know, where you shut off the power for a little bit. <laughs> that, those things are cherished. They are absolutely cherished, and that's why... If it is, if it is some time off, which you know, fortunately in my job, and we've all been you know accustomed to scheduling holidays, these are things you plot out, you meticulously plan too, which is what we're doing. It's and awesome. We're very excited about it. Well, awesome, man. I'm glad you get some time off. One of the top baseball announcers on the radio in the major leagues, and I've listened to all of them, so I'd say top five for sure. It's Ben Wagner, the Blue Jays. Thanks for taking time. Enjoy the rest of your time off. Well, you are certainly too kind with that accolade. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the listenership. And it is going to be what I believe is a very, very exciting and furious finish at the end over the next couple of two and a half, two and a half, three months with the Blue Jays. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. That is uh, Ben Wagner joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage after 5 o'clock on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go the last hour of the show. We're going to hear from Coach Craig Dickinson in a second. I want to tell you the number to text. Keep them coming, 936-6262. That's the number in town to call, actually. And one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty, the toll free out of town number. But that text line is nine three six sixty two sixty two. It's powered by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Check your local Western Pizza for dine in or takeout deals. Saskatchewan's leading Ontario twelve six. They approach Ontario's side of center field in Edmonton at Foot Field in a semifinal matchup. Five minutes into the third quarter, with the win, Saskatchewan will be in the championship game. It'll be played. Commonwealth Stadium, and they'll have a chance if they win this game to play in the final and win their fourth straight U18 championship. Um, we're going to get to Coach Dickinson in a second. I got something to bring up. 
um, little housekeeping matter from yesterday's show. Now, I played with the Regina Rams from 1990 to 1993. Could have played one more year, but decided to go into broadcasting because they weren't looking for short, fast, little white Canadian guys back in the day as a receiver. So I um, declined an invitation to camp with the Rough Riders and went into broadcasting school. I played with a lot of great players in my time on that team. Some went on to great CFL careers, like Randy Shochensky. You remember that? He's a televangelist now in Toronto. We'll have to get him on a Where Are They Now? Uh, Roger Reinson, who won Grey Cups with Edmonton. Um, and he, uh, a firefighter in Calgary, if I'm not mistaken. Don Blair won a Grey Cup with the uh, BC Lions. Outstanding Canadian in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Um and I played with so many guys that didn't even go on to do that. They became doctors. They became lawyers. Uh, they became principals, like Tom McCallum, who was a principal. Last time uh, he was working was at Balgoni Greenall as uh, a principal. We we always honor our indigenous athletes, builders, and coaches. This guy was of indigenous descent. And I know a guy like Wavell Starr, who played with the Rams as a teammate of his, a friend of mine, looked up to Tom. Tom was a great guy. And he had a cup of coffee with the Riders and also with the Calgary Stampeders and then uh, went on to coach high school, the very famous Spring League football, RMF, and with the Regina Rams. Uh, I've been in contact with Tom off and on during uh, his battle with cancer. He had kidney cancer. And uh, last I talked to him, he was... Uh, battling it hard. He's going for treatment in Calgary. And I had heard from uh, one of his really good friends. I would even consider him a best friend. And I'm not going to bring up his name. Um, that he had beaten the cancer in terms of it. It it, um, it was in remission. There was no sign of it. Um, and then I heard that he had passed away. And I heard from this very reliable source who was considered a best friend of his in his wedding party at one time. Um, that he had passed away. And I heard from a couple of other Rams, too. And you know, Zinger, when you're playing on a team, it's like a fraternity. You're yes. in a fraternity. It's like one of your brothers dies, okay? Mm-hmm. We had Jerry Orban, the great coach, pass away not that long ago, who coached Tom McCallum. So, you know, um, when guys pass away, it's like, it's a sad time. You... You don't remember the wins and the losses. You remember the good times in the locker room, all the banquets and that type of thing. In fact, I think a lot of the boys are going to be tipping one back for Tom on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. I won't be there because I've got other things to do, call Rough Rider football. So I got this information from a few people and went on the air and said Tom had passed away. And he did suffer a heart attack and had... um. He eventually passed away yesterday at 4.30 in the afternoon. I went on the air at 3.05 and said he had passed away uh, the day before because that's what I was told from what I consider uh, reliable sources. I wasn't going on here trying to jump the queue and be like, you know me, I'm not into clickbait into being first. I want to be right. And so I just went on what I thought was right information. In the end, Tom sadly did pass away at 4.30 yesterday, but I I guess I had jumped the gun because he hadn't passed away medically uh, at that time. So uh, I do want to uh, go on here right now because, you know, here's the thing. Um, 
he ended up passing away. So factually, I wasn't wrong per se. That's not what this is about. But you know what? Maybe some people in the family didn't know about it before I went and went on the air and said it. Okay. To give what I thought was a good tribute. And that's what I like to do. It's, I can't give a guy who's passed away a better tri- better thing than to give him a tribute on the air, right? So that's where I was going. I didn't mean to upset anybody, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, maybe there were some people that didn't know. He had four daughters, he had a wife, he had an ex-wife. So I just want to uh, say uh, my condolences to his daughter, his daughters, Callie, uh, Taylor, Riley, and Tatum, his wife, Marnie, his ex-wife, Julie, and my apologies to... Them and any family members that I might have upset by inadvertently jumping the queue. wasn't There was no ill intent on my behalf. I was just trying to honor a former teammate and a buddy of mine, Tom McCallum, who I actually coached spring football with. He actually was on the staff that my kid was uh, playing on. Dennis Losey was there, former Ram who's since passed away. Marco Ricci, we had a lot of great guys on that staff. Corey Borsa. So uh, my thoughts and prayers out to Tom, his tight circle of friends and family, extended family and friends. Um, and uh, he's gone but will not be forgotten. Um, with that in mind, Zinger, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Coach Craig Dickinson with regards to the injuries, all right? This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 12-3 Saskatchewan leading Ontario. Ontario's got the football driving into Saskatchewan territory. Going left to right on the TV screen as we see them here. And like I said, the big final of that is... um, uh, tomorrow, uh, a couple days at Commonwealth. Do we so, know? Do we know the who's in the final? Or? Well, these guys, and I don't know who they're no, going to play. They're going to play uh, probably the winner Quebec of Alberta, Alberta, Quebec. Yeah. Um, Edmonton ends their uh, home losing skid tomorrow. I think so. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah, they got a 19 game home losing skid. I think that they would beat be Hamilton. Bad if, if chills and the and the tabbies nah, go in there, they gotta beat them. I don't. They gotta beat them. Yeah. I don't know, man. Chills. I don't like the tabbies. I'm not a big fan. Um, yeah, I'd love to see. There's some guys in Edmonton I like. Yeah, I I like, and I don't just like Chris Jones. Actually, to be honest with you, I've always gotten along with Chris. I don't like some of his methods. I don't know that he's an exactly a great head coach, but you can't I like. I like Manny Arsenal. Yeah, although yes, he's hurt right now. I like Geno Lewis. I yeah. like. There's really not a guy that comes to mind that I'm. You know, have a hate on for. Yeah. Nice play by Kelly Rempel's kid, Spencer Rempel, batting down a pass on second down and first down and 10, second down and 10 now as Team Saskatchewan in their green jerseys <laughs> had a, had a rush on. I, 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 I tell you what, man, when I watch my kid play or watch Rempel's kid or some of these kids, I just, I wish A, my parents had the money. And B, there was stuff like this around when we were playing, Singer. I don't oh, know if it was I, around when you were playing, but it wasn't when I was playing. It was it was in the like first type of stages, and I just kind of noticed that the Team Saskatchewan wearing some old Saskatchewan Rough Riders pants, ballsy. Oh, they are! Those, those are some old... Oh, uh, yeah, they got the old Rider pants. Yeah, look at that. Hey, we, hey, we typical was, Saskatchewan. Let's throw it together, put a jersey together. Yeah. Here's a second and ten play pass over the middle, complete ankle tackle. 
Michael, don't know any of the numbers, but they'll take the ball to the 25. Warming up for my play-by-play on Saturday, Riders and the Stampeders. Riders had 11 players. DNP did not participate again for the second straight practice. Coach Craig Dickinson addresses that. I think he starts talking about Roland Milligan and his injury, which is a foot and a back, but he was in a walking boot. Yeah, it doesn't look good for Roe. Uh, we'll we'll know more tomorrow, but um, well, unless he has some miraculous recovery, he's probably going to be out this game. Send that receiver with all the injuries out there. Jared Stearns running a little bit out there. What yep. do you see from him? Does he have a chance to crack the roster this week? Um, this week going to be tough. Britain, but we think he's going to be a good player. He's got a lot of, a lot of juice. Highly productive player in college, so I think Jared Stearns is going to be a guy. Uh, at some point in the year, you're going to see him. Why do you, do you say it would be tough for him to get the line this week? Well, just the way we're dressing. This is the way we're dressing. We've got um, a lot of, a lot of issues in, a, in a lot of different spots, Britain. We're going to probably uh, dress similar to what we did last week. No, no promises yet, but it'll probably be similar. Looks like the defense is experimenting a little bit. Jane Dalkey playing some Sam, Moncrief at safety. Is that some nuance here? Is that kind of just Jason Shivers doing something? A little bit of both. J- Jason's really good at moving his guys around and, and really teaching them the entire defense. So um, we have to be prepared if we have an injury to move players, and that's one of the moves we'd make. But uh, what have you seen from Kendall Watson so far? He's had a couple of games now, and then he also got that two point. Yeah, steady growth from him. You know, he showed up at camp. Uh, he's a real good worker. He's, he's out here for extra work every day. So steady growth from him, and I think he's just going to continue to get better. What did you see from camp that really uh, separate him from those other receivers? Because you had a few good receivers. Yeah. yeah, intelligence as much as anything. He knew the offense, and he knew it very well. So he was a guy we felt like we could play at multiple spots, and he'd be able to do it. Does Mario Alford feels like he's close to breaking another one? On yeah, the yeah. penalty flag only brought that one back. Yeah, he's he's healthy and he feels like he's ready to go. I told Mario, just get us a quick ten, and the, you know, the big one will come. But just get us get us the ten to fifteen, and we, we can live with that. What's it like as a special teams guy to see a touchdown called back because of that? Yeah, down? it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> we we talked about it, and uh, hopefully we'll do better next time. Does Brett need to practice this week at all? In no, play or no, he doesn't. I hope he can practice tomorrow, but even if he doesn't, he's probably still good. Besides staying healthy, what has Deontay Williams done to earn a spot in the starting line? Physicality. He, he can run, and he shows courage out there. So anytime you got a guy on defense that can do that, you're going to find a spot for him. So we're, we're really happy with what uh, number 24 has done so far. you got a lot of heavy hitters, but is he the heaviest hitter? He's one of them. He, he, he packs a pretty big punch when he comes up, and we like to see that. I think anytime your secondary shows physicality, it certainly discourages receivers from being too brave. Does it rub off on the teammates? Mm-hmm. Like Nick Marshall kind of threw some hits after. It does, yeah. It, it's it's energy and enthusiasm, and anytime you have a big hit, I think the defense feeds off of it. What does Larry Bean mean to this team? Uh, wisdom, high character, leadership. He's a coach on the field, hardest worker on the field. Um, I can't use enough good words to describe him. How do you explain um, how he's still able to play at such a peak at an age when a lot of players are in some form? Yeah, it's his commitment to training and working. You know, I come in here uh, every morning, and, and half the time he's in here before I'm in here. He's watching film. He's always in the training room in terms of getting getting treatment and rehab. He's always in the weight room getting uh, his work in with Coach Clint and Coach Dan and. He's just one of those guys, you know. He reminds me a little bit of Junior Sale in terms of that's how Junior was. Um, 
in San Diego. Everybody thought Junior was the most talented. He wasn't. He was extremely talented, but he was the hardest worker. And that's what Larry is, hardest worker. Do you see that that has an influence on the other players as far as kind of for sure. setting the for bar sure. for others? Yeah, it sets the bar high, you know, and he holds them accountable to that. So Larry's, uh, Larry's awesome. He's a glue guy. He keeps this team together. That's uh, Larry Dean he's talking about there. Larry's unbelievable. When you think about Larry Dean, as I talked with Waldo earlier, and we'll hear that again before the end of the show, you got Larry Dean at 34, going 35. You got... Uh, Adam Big Hill in the same neighborhood for age, mm-hmm. and those guys aren't quarterbacks or kickers. They're, you know, you look at them or Stanley Bryant that's in a car accident on every play at left tackle at thirty-seven. Like a lot needs to be said about those. It's kind a lot of, players. of mileage, man. It's a lot of mileage. Hey, a couple of things. What do you think about this? Like Frankie Hickson got one carry and didn't see the field, and I know he was a limited participant today in practice with a back injury, so maybe that has something to do with it, and I know he missed the game due to injury. Frankie Hickson hasn't been used a lot. Number two, it was an off day for um, Jamal Morrow out of the backfield in that game against Edmonton, hoping to see bigger things from him against Calgary, where the last time he had 175 all-purpose yards. I just feel like the offense was just a little too predictable against uh, Edmonton. Yeah, it, it was just all the same first down, you know. Nothing we talk there, about that second and long. Like, like we got Bain Jr., who I think's great. Tevin Jones has stepped up. Like we have some weapons. There's no doubt about it. But what about Mario Alford in the offense? Remember at the beginning of the year, we were thinking maybe he was going to be sprinkled in, yeah, in the offense, and he he actually came on the show here and he was like, hey, I he basically said in a nutshell that hey, I should be on offense, yeah, but uh, he hasn't been, hey, but. At the same time, you want to do fresh on special teams as well. Yeah, and he had a nice return. That was really, as Coach alluded to, and we had him on the show uh, on Mondays. We always do. That was kind of a tic-tac-y call. I can see how the ref called it, though, because anytime you know, when it's cross-body like that and and when the ref sees the hand on the shoulder pad, I mean, that's just kind of like textbook, even though if he's not like yanking on it. Yeah. All that needs to be seen from the ref's perspective is if that hand's on the shoulder pad, he's going to throw the flag. So. Yeah, for sure. All I'm right. not too butterhurt about it. We're going to go to break. Uh, when we come back after the 5.30 news, we've got the Red Sox report. They're in action again tonight against Weyburn. We're going to hear from their catcher, Christoph, Christos Stefano, Stefanos, right? Mm-hmm. Christos Stefanos. He had uh, a big hit yesterday. They got him close on the scoreboard, but they couldn't win it. We're going to hear from him. He's on the cage last week. Uh, we're also going to uh, take a trip down memory lane with Stu Sherwater, who, by the way, this is cool. Stu Sherwater was the umpire on third base for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. First All-Star game for Stu Sherwater of Regina, and we don't talk about that enough. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 5.30 sports ticker time for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your commercial or a residential garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors. The garage door specialists and I'm watching right now Team Saskatchewan take on Team Ontario in the under 18 Canada Cup and uh, it's 12-4 to right now in favor of Saskatchewan with the 11-25 remaining in the fourth quarter. Ontario has the ball at midfield. They are driving. It is a one possession ball game right now thanks to the Canadian rules. It made it a one possession game because Ontario just missed a field goal. So uh, there you have it. 11-10 remaining in the fourth quarter now. Hey, 
Showcasing the boys of summer. Time for another edition of the Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on 620 CKRM. The Regina Red Sox Report brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. You can get a dollar off a tankard. Lots of great drink specials down there and a great menu too. And all the sports under one roof. The Major League Baseball season will fire up for the second half after the All-Star game. And tomorrow, week number six in the CFL gets going as the Edmonton Elks take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yesterday, the Regina Red Sox fell at Curry Field 7-5 to the Weyburn Beavers. The player of the game for the Red Sox was Christos Stefanos. Christos had a pinch hit double for three RBIs late in the ninth to close the gap on the scoreboard board but it wasn't enough he joined us last week in the sports cage and talked about how he became a catcher not my whole life but for most i would say since i was 10 so your, yeah. whole, your whole life how old are you i'm 22 so for most of your life you've been a catch most yeah yeah most. yeah how hard is that on the knees not hard yet but i assume once i get older it'll start to kind of wear and tear a little bit so what gravitated you to that were you just the best at being you weren't scared of the batter being in front of you as a little guy and then it just kind of went from there or what yeah, I also just have a hard time standing still. So I feel like when I'm in that catching spot, I can kind of just, I'm involved in every pitch and every second of the game. So it kind of helps me stay more engaged and I have a lot more fun doing that. So, so what's, tell us about the art form in being a catcher and helping a guy like Daniel, like, you know, when he's waving you off or you're trying to, to kind of put him in the direction you want to kind of set the game up. Oh, I mean, you know, I, we have our catchers call the game, and I throw signs down, but honestly, if he shakes, I let him call what he wants to call because I know he's more comfortable with a certain pitch in a certain situation, and the, the, the pitchers know, like, if they shake me off, then it's up to them what they want to throw and for them to execute, and at that point, I know he's also very quick tempo, very efficient pitcher, so I try my best to just stay on that same tempo so he works a lot better. Do you like guys that are quicker tempo as a pitcher? You tend to, yes, because, I mean, it helps keep the game a little shorter because, I mean, sometimes when the pitcher takes too long, it's like three, three-and-a-half-hour games. It kind of makes it a little harder to catch sometimes because it's a lot of wear and tear on the knees and the physical body. So when a guy's throwing that efficient and that quick and he's getting a lot of outs, it just makes my job a lot easier to be better and more efficient for him in the long run. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage, everybody. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We call this Focus on the Foes. And, uh, yeah, for Specs by Ryan, don't just get glasses, get Specs. And I'm joined by Diedrich Mills, outstanding running back for the Calgary Stampeders. Might be a starting running back on probably uh, five other CFL teams for sure, but he is uh, just worried about carrying the rock for Calgary. Welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Doing great. So, um, things haven't got off to the greatest start for the Stampeders. What's the mood like there in Stampland? Um, man, he's just working on getting better every day, man. Uh, you know, taking everything one day at a time, taking one play at a time. You know, just trying to get better, man. Trying to bring the team together. Trying to you know bond bond more as a team, and you know, what I mean, work together more as a team, and just you know, get fix the situation and. And so we can get back out on the field and, you know, start winning some games. Would you would you say consistency might be the biggest problem, in particular on the offensive side of things? You guys were in that game against the uh, Blue Bombers and fell just short. And same thing with the Riders the last time you played them. Yeah, I mean, uh, we just got to uh, take what we, we uh, learned in that, at halftime and come back out and, you know, just uh, fix, the, fix the problems and fix the mistakes and want, and want to win the game and want to do better. So, um 
I think we're gonna we're gonna be able to do that these, uh, these next few games, these next few games coming up and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. man, I just I, I enjoy running behind my boys and playing with my playing with my teammates. I mean, so uh, we will get it. We will for sure get it together on the offensive side. What did you see from the last Rough Rider game where you guys had that uh, tough overtime loss at home? What could you take away from that game, Diedrich? Um, I just uh, take away. We just, we just gotta we gotta we gotta do more. You know what I mean? Just, we we don't think I, we just did just enough to getting by, but we need to do more so we can overcome that uh, overcome the you know the, the battles and stuff that we was facing and win the game. Yeah, what's it what's it like coming into Saskatchewan and play? You know they got a rabid fan base and uh, the fans and the riders will be up for this game. Um, it's gonna be the same as playing in Winnipeg. I know, so I know it's gonna be pretty loud, loud there too as well. And you know, I'm just do do what I always do, play my game. You know, when I get a chance to get the ball and run, you know, I'm gonna make the runs and, and you know, be successful at it. Have you always been a running back in your football career? Um, I started off as a when I was growing up. I started off playing linebacker, and then um, I ended up playing running back. My I started off playing linebacker my freshman year in high school, and then. I started playing running back a little bit in my tenth grade year, and I actually was good and actually was was actually good at running the ball. And I started getting scholarships for both running back and football. And then they asked me they asked me to choose which one I wanted to do. And I was I told I said it depends on what school I was going to. I told some schools running back, told some schools linebacker. Mm. So I just I just I always play. I, I, that's why I run the ball the way I do because I still think I'm a linebacker sometimes. Yeah, you love to be the hammer and not the nail. Just talk about that uh, that physicality mindset. Where do you think that comes from? Um, just comes from you no know, pain, struggle, everything in life, you know, that you go through and stuff like that. So I run with it all behind me, behind my shoulders and behind my pads. So, um, you know, they just want, just, just want to be great. Just, I just want to leave a legacy. Something I want to be somebody, somebody I can remember. Everybody know, oh, yeah, well, Deidre did this. This is what Deidre did. was known for doing this, you know, such and such. So it's just always me. I mean, it's just, and it's just me just playing for my family, man. You know, just having my reason why, why I do the stuff that I do, you know. And and uh, do you have any kids? What kind of family do you have, Deidre? You, you mentioned it there. Um, I got like you know my my mom grandma but I also have a girl you know what I mean she mm-hmm. we we have a I have a stepdaughter personally you know um, mm-hmm. so it's just me providing for them and making sure they're good um making sure my mom and grandma and I got three other brothers that you know I love to death we like we we, we are like them are like the closest people to me in my life my brothers so uh Really just making sure my brother's going to always be straight in life. Hey, uh, Diedrich, I remember, and I, I think if I remember correctly, last time you guys were in here last year, you were the guy that uh, uh, ran over Mike Edom, and he had to be helped off on a stretcher. Thankfully, he's okay. But what was that like? Like, How does that play into your psyche when you do that to another man? Um, it, it, I, During the game, I mean, I, it, it makes me even more hyper. I mean, I, I feel like I need to go out and do it again. So I'm trying to, you know, I mean, just, it just... Just the way I, I think and the way I am on the field, because it, it turns me up even more when I, you know, I see. Because we on the, we in the game and people talk, you know, people talk trash and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But uh, I just go ahead and shut people up before they can get started. So. Mm-hmm. After the game, where you, you know, you obviously is a competitor though. You guys all put your bodies on the line, even though there is trash talking and, and there, you know, there's yeah. you're on different yeah, teams. After the game, after the game, I, I for sure uh, checked though, asked my coaches and stuff, was he okay and all that stuff. So, so I, you know, I, I don't never want to see another man. You know, everybody loves this game. Everybody want to play this game. So I don't never want to see another take take the game away from somebody else. You know, mm-hmm. Diedrich, uh, this is a big game for you guys. You're one and three. The Riders are three and one. If you lose this game, you lose the season series, and you're three back of them in the win column. Has that been talked about in the locker room? 
Uh, no, we're not even focused on that. We just focused on getting getting one game, winning one game at a time. So you know, it just it just staying focused on what's what's the goal ahead. Not not just worry about all the extra outside noise and stuff that's going on around us, and worry about what everybody else saying about us not winning and stuff like that. So we just focus on winning one game at a time, one making one play at a time. You know, and just continue to move on. How tight's that running back room? You started kind of second on the depth chart behind Kadeem Carey. He goes out, you step in, Logan goes down. How much of those guys, especially Kadeem Carey, helped you out now that you're uh, carrying the rock? Uh, they helped me out a lot, man. They go, we go over stuff every day, literally, when we have practice. Like today, we, like, we just got out of practice. Like, just, they literally helped me out with everything. Like, uh, uh, make sure I'm not knowing, knowing what I'm doing. We go over stuff before, before practice. We, we pull up at 8 o'clock in the morning and go have a little meeting before meetings but with just the running backs and then we go over stuff like that go over plays that we finna go run do over stuff like what we what our checks down what check downs is what our routes is what our what runs what gaps we wanna hit what, what holes we think we, we, we'll hit when we run the ball it's just, it's just a whole lot of stuff that go with the running back position that uh, they help me out with and just knowing like put, keeping me on my toes and lastly Diedrich I don't know if you know this or not you probably do cause you seem like you're an in tune guy but Mark Mueller your assistant coach his grandfather's one of the former rider greats there's a statue of his grandfather outside the stadium how much has mark helped you as a as a coach on that staff uh, he's helped me out a whole lot man he's one of the biggest reasons why you know i know a lot of the stuff that i know on the team um just taking my time out you know actually yeah, sitting down with him sometimes and going over plays even when we on the field he'll tell you asking questions all the time about what what play I, what i'm supposed to do on certain plays or what i need to do or what i have you know what i mean so it's just him being there he always helped me out a whole lot and man, I, I respect Miller and i love Miller a lot hey best of luck on saturday diedrich best of health but not too much luck okay when you play us yes sir thank you that's diedrich mills our focus on the foes and he's uh, definitely been uh a nice depth piece for Calgary when they lost Kadeem Carey, who I think's right there is the best back in yeah, the league. I like, I like Mills. I like the he way he run runs hard. the rock. Did man. you hear he wasn't very uh, sentimental when I talked about <laughs> running over Mike Adam? He's like, no, yeah, it's football, man. I was like, well, didn't you call? Oh, yeah, I did call later. Or I got the yeah, right after check. he was like, yeah, man, pumps me up. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out. I actually I should try. hook I up with laughed, but... I should hook up with Mike Adam like, and see how he's doing. I was going to ask you. Uh... Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a while. I miss I miss Mike Adam. Yeah. He's a, or Edom, or Adam, Adam. or Edom. Yeah, he was a definitely. We had him on. We had him on uh, before training camp started, and I remember Mike Adams saying that he wanted to play one more season so that his uh, kid would be able to be in the dressing room and on like the field with him for one season. Something, yeah, didn't work out. Now we're only five weeks in. Anything could happen. And Mike Adams, I know he's probably training very hard still because he was into fitness and all that type of thing. So obviously being an athlete, but he per- was a personal trainer too. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's still in great shape. Um, just watching this Team Canada Ontario game at Foot Field. It's now overcast there in the Alberta capital. I feel like I'm calling the game. Ooh, and uh, that quarterback can really sling the yeah. rock for Ontario. Look it, at this big play, number ten, going down the right sidelines, right to left. He's going to the house. Oh, I'm I'm ahead of you. Oh, they're down at the they're down at the. Uh, they're down. It's twelve to ten now. For uh, wow, you're way ahead. I'm twelve. To I'm 10. sitting here like an idiot. They're going for two points, and they had a pass that went incomplete. I don't know. I I, I saw an incomplete pass, and it says twelve ten. So I don't know if there's something wonky with the feed. But right now, uh, Saskatchewan's clinging to a twelve ten lead. So you see that throw though? The, yeah, that yeah. quarterback stood in the pocket and he just yeah. rifled one. Delivered deep it. crossing route over the middle. Saskatchewan trying to hang on for uh, what would be. Uh, 
uh, a final berth to Come be played on, at Commonwealth Stadium. So we'll see here. So I've got it on the one-yard line. They're going for two with 519 to go. I know this is riveting radio, but this is big for our young kids. U18, um, they got uh, somebody slowly coming off the field favoring his, uh, I don't know what he's favoring there, but he's slowly coming off the field. Uh, I don't know. Do we hang on here? We got. We have to go to break here right away. I'd like to see this play whistled in. We can't go off no, this the This is the two-point conversion. This is the two-point conversion. You said you're ahead of me. Did it happen? No. We got a guy coming off the field who's injured, so I'm ahead of you. Looks like a pretty healthy crowd there at foot field, too. Which is, by the way, a great complex for football, U sports football. Well, on my end, the play just happened and it was incomplete. Yeah, that. But there must have been a penalty because okay. they moved it to the one. It's a second attempt. Well, they shut hand, my mouth. No, they take no. the hand up, and the quarterback on the naked bootleg runs in on the left side, and we're in a tie ball game, folks. Saskatchewan and okay. Ontario with okay, five nineteen to go in the fourth quarter. We are tied at twelve. Okay, Ontario. We're going to take a break and be back with uh, where are they now feature on a Wednesday talking to a Regina kid who was in the Major League Baseball All-Star game, but not as a player. And we'll also hear from Paul Waldo, a new segment we call Waldo Warriors here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. This day in sports history brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Let's go back to July 12th, 1998, FIFA World Cup. France's Zinedine Zidane scores twice as France wins first World Cup, beating Brazil 3 to nothing. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? Where are they now for Floor Coverings International? Need new floors? Let Floor Coverings International bring their mobile showroom to you. Visit their website for your free consultation. Well, Stu Sherwater of Regina. I don't think we talk about this enough. The only full-time Major League umpire from Canada in Major League Baseball. And this guy's right here from our very own Queen City. And yesterday at T-Mobile Park, he was on third base for the 93rd All-Star Game. What an honor to be an umpire in that Midsummer Classic. This is a snippet of a conversation I had with Stu, talking about how you earned the right to ump an All-Star Game. You know what? Uh, Instant Replay has done a lot of good things for this game, for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's opened the door to uh, a lot of jobs. Um, they've had to add two more crews because of it. And it kind of gave the trickle effect, uh, trickle effect down um, when the hiring process. So uh, replay is definitely um, lets us go to bed every night um, knowing we uh, we got every play right at the end of the day. So uh, if we can uh, if we can go it out of there and have all the calls right, it's uh, it's not a bad thing. It was a lot more, um, you know what? Uh, like I said before, this is a very stressful job. It's a, it's a different kind of stress. Um, you know, before you're in the stress of walking on eggshells. You know. Didn't want to ever mess up, or you want to make sure your every pitch you're getting right. Um, you know, you still have this, but uh, and and now you now I need to prove that why they hired me. Um, you know, but at the same time, this kind of those eggshells are swept away a little bit, and you can just relax a little bit more. Uh, not a lot more because you're under that microscope day in day out. So it's just uh, uh, you know now your stresses have changed from uh, trying to get a job, trying to get a career, trying to support my family to. You know what? Now I'm looking. Uh, let's let's go out there and work hard. Let's get an All Star game. Let's get a postseason. Let's uh, let's prove everybody uh, why I'm out here and uh, and uh, do the best you can every night. 
How do you earn a, an all-star game, a postseason game? Like, does it work on a grading system? Like, when you come in at the end of the game, does a guy meet you in the locker room and grade you like a player would get if he comes to his locker, you know, on the Monday after a football game, he sees his grade uh, after they look at the game tape? Like, how does your grading work? Yeah, every day um, it is a grading system. Um, our, our supervisors, observers um, watch us um, a lot, um, and they do. They take in consideration, um, I guess, uh, you know, Scores on the bases, scores on the plate. You know, they're, they're everything's getting tracked nowadays, and um, it's a it's a learning or it's a working tool and it's a grading tool for sure. So uh, it's a lot of the the postseason and all star stuff. It's a, it's a merit um, merit based for the most part.